Uh, this is Pam for Racing Radio on Thursday, July the 20th, and we are here for our Pocono NASCAR Weekend Preview as well as our Hot Topic Sound Off, and we're going to review uh, the races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway as well. Joining me for our show today is Jay Huseman. Excuse me. Thank you, Sharon. And Excited about the weekend that was, as well as the weekend that's coming up. we got all three of the top national series racing at Pocono, as well as the Arkham and Ard series. So, good weekend to be in the mountains there in Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Uh, in our first half hour, we are going to start with some short track news, some upcoming races that are happening over the weekend. Next, we'll review that Arkham and and Arca East race that took place out at Iowa Speedway. And afterward, we preview the Arkham and series out at Pocono Raceway with uh, brief updates from the Arca East and Arca West. In the next half hour, we are going to preview the NASCAR Truck Series race. They're back on track at Pocono. And afterward, we'll review the NASCAR Xfinity Series at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, followed with the preview of the Xfinity Series at Pocono. In our third half hour, we're going to review the NASCAR Cup Series race at New Hampshire and preview the Cup Series race at Pocono. So it's a full day today. And, uh, of course, we'll stay tuned for our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with our Fan for Racing crew. And joining us for today's Hot Topic conversation, Jay, is Brian Everly. So very excited about that. I am. I know he doesn't get the opportunity very often, so to have him back on here again uh, today, super excited about that. I already messaged him a little bit this morning as he made his race pick, so can't wait for that coming up in Hot Topics. Okay. So uh, let's go ahead and get started with our short track and dirt news. Um, Let's see here. I've got to go to the notes here. We've got a lot of information here with regard to short tracks uh, racing that's coming up over the weekend, starting today, Jay. Let's start with the dirt. Why don't you do dirt and I'll do short tracks? All right. For the dirt track, we got Southern Nationals at Sonoya Raceway. That'll be on Flow Racing, 6.30 p.m. You also got the short track Super Series that'll be at Utica and Rome Speedway. 6.45 p.m., also on Flow Racing. And then the Silver Dollar Nationals, which will be at Husset Speedway, that'll be at 7.30 p.m., all covered on Flow Racing. Okay, and also on Flow Racing is some short track racing, including the USAC Silver Crown at Winchester Speedway starting at 6.05 p.m., and the late model all-star race at Thunder Road Speed Bowl starting at 7 p.m. Again, all those races are going to be on Flow Racing, and that's today. So tonight you'll be able to watch all that racing, as well as the SRX is racing tonight too, right? Oh, that's right. i got to remember to get that recorded. I don't know why it didn't record for me last week, but they'll be back at Stafford this week, yes. Okay, so we're looking forward to watching SRX again here on Thursday night. Okay, let's move to short track racing on July the 21st. Do you want to cover that? Oh, all right. I pulled up the dirt again. Uh, short tracks, we got the ASA Southern Super Series. That'll be the Blizzard Series. 
down at Five Flags Speedway, Pensacola. We don't have a time yet, but it'll be covered on Racing America. And then the Dunleavy's Modified tonight, and that'll be at Stafford Motor Speedway, 5.45 p.m., covered on Flow Racing. Okay, and those races again are tomorrow, Friday, the 21st. We've got several dirt races here. I'll go halfway, and then uh, you can pick up from there, Jay. Uh, Let's start with the World of Outlaws uh, Sprint Car Series at Williams Grove Speedway. That will be tomorrow night at 6.15, available at Dirt Vision. Also, there's the USAC Indiana Sprint Week at Kokomo Speedway, 6.05 p.m. on Flow Racing. And Back to Dirt Vision is the Extreme Outlaw Series from Southern Illinois Raceway at 6.45 p.m. Back to Flow Racing at 7 p.m. is the Tezo All-Star Circuit of Champions at Spoon River Speedway. And then the Weekly Racing at Fonda Speedway at 6 p.m. also on Flow Racing. Uh, I'll end with the weekly racing at the Land of Legends Raceway at 6.15 p.m. on Dirt Vision. All those races on Friday, July the 21st. All right. I must not have the same list uh, you do there, but I know we've got the NASCAR week. That's actually the 22nd. That would be the 22nd, Saturday the 22nd. I apologize. Okay, so then make sure, let me make sure I got the 21st up then for the dirt races. Yeah, okay. Uh, the world out. Oh, yeah, here okay. it is, dirt racing for the 21st. Let me go back to that because um, go ahead and get started. Go about halfway, and I'll pick it up then. What I gave you was actually for the 22nd. I pulled up the wrong um, no. So go ahead and start with the dirt you. 21st, which is Friday. All right. And that'll be the World Outlaw Sprint Car Series there at Williams Grove Speedway at 615. Dirt Vision going to cover that. The USAC Indiana Sprint Week will be at Gas City I-69 Speedway, uh, 605 p.m. Flow Racing. Then the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions, 34 Raceway at 715 p.m. on Flow Racing. The Extreme Outlaw Series, that'll be at Doe Run Raceway, 7.15 p.m. That is on Dirt Vision. And then some NASCAR Weekly Racing. The Autodrome Granby is at 6.30 p.m. Flow Racing. Dirt Vision's covering Sharon Speedway for NASCAR or for Weekly Racing. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. And it, as well as Attica Raceway Park uh, on Dirt Vision. And then Flow Racing, they have 6.30 p.m., Weekly racing from Georgetown Speedway. Okay, I'll pick it up here. The IRA sprints at Outagami Speedway at 7 p.m. will be on Flow Racing. Also on Flow Racing is the non-wing nationals at Port City Raceway at 7 p.m. And also on Flow Racing at 7 p.m. is the Southern Nationals at East Alabama Motor Speedway. Then we've got the Mars Late Model uh, Racing at Jacksonville Speedway at 7.15 on Flow Racing. Uh, there's some weekly racing at Jacksonville Speedway at 7.15 on Dirt Vision. And the next three are all on Flow Racing starting at uh, 7.30, the Silver Dollar Nationals at uh, Husset Speedway. Then you've got the Stock Car Crown 
racing at Marshalltown Speedway at 7.55. And at 9.30 on Flow Racing is the Summer National Silver Dollar Speedway. So now the short track, did we already cover short tracks for the 21st? Okay, now we move to the 22nd, which I went halfway down for dirt. Uh, if you want to go ahead and pick it up at uh, Sharon Speedway. All right, Sharon Speedway's got weekly racing series. That'll be covered on Dirt Vision at 6.30 p.m. The non-wing nationals, that'll be Port City Raceway, 7 p.m., Flow Racing. Talked about the Mars Late Model Series. They'll be at the Federated Auto Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55, 7.15 p.m. That's on Flow Racing. And the Silver Dollar Nationals, again, at Husset Speedway, 7.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. Dirt Vision's got the weekly racing from Knoxville Raceway at 7.45 p.m. And then the Southern Nationals from Screven Speedway over in Georgia, Time to be determined that that will be covered on Flow Racing. Okay, moving on to short track races on July the 22nd. We've got the ASA Super Southern Super Series and Blizzard Series at Five Flag Speedway. Uh, time to be announced, but that will be covered over at Racing America. Also at Racing America is the American Cadian Tour at the Autodrome. I think that's supposed to be Montgomery. Or is there such a place as that? That's to be determined as far as the time. I think that's a typo, Jay. <laughs> uh, continuing yeah, I don't on. Know. I haven't seen it with Montgomery either, though. Okay. I, I, Mont yeah, Magni? It might be Mount Magni. Okay. Moving on here for. Uh, Saturday, July the 22nd, short track racing. The week, NASCAR weekly racing over at Riverhead Raceway will be at 5 p.m. on Flow Racing. Also on Flow Racing is the Hampton Heat 200 at Langley Speedway at 6.30 p.m. Also at 6.30 p.m. at Flow Racing is the 500 Sprint Car Tour at Berlin Raceway. And the last one I'll cover is the NASCAR weekly racing at Hickory Motor Speedway, 7 p.m., Racing. Well, a good one to pick up on then is the NASCAR Modified 100. That'll be at Bowman Gray Stadium, covered on Flow Racing at 7.50 p.m. At 8.30, they'll have NASCAR Weekly Racing from Meridian Speedway. Then, moving down, the CRA Late Model Sportsman and Street Stocks. That'll be at Salem Speedway at a time to be announced, but that'll be covered on Racing America. Another one uh, with a time to be determined on flow racing will be the Mr. Novellus, which will be Oswego Speedway. And then they're also covering the NASCAR Weekly Racing from Florence Motor Speedway on flow racing with a time to be determined. And lastly, the 350 SMAC at Wiscast Speedway. That'll be on Racing America with a time to be announced. So you got to check on some of these times as they come up but a lot of racing to be covered this weekend. Okay, our last little section here is going to be for races that are taking place on July 23rd. I'll cover, well, why don't you cover those, and then I'll cover the July 24th date. All right, for the short tracks, we got the NASCAR U Series at Pocono Raceway. That'll be at 9 a.m. on Flow Racing. 
Racing America is going to cover the local racing at the Slinger Super Speedway with a time to be announced. And you don't need to cover and that some, next one. <laughs> That's okay. it's not dirt racing or short track. It's something different. Okay, on July 24th, up on dirt, we've got the USAC Indiana Sprint Week starting. Uh, the Circle City Raceway will start at 6.05 p.m. and will be covered by Flow Racing. So uh, there you have it, all the races that are up and coming uh, this weekend. Uh, and it is a lot of racing going on uh, this weekend that fans can uh, uh, enjoy over uh, a big race weekend. It still just impresses me. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> that short amount of time, the races we covered is just a fraction. But Flow Racing, yeah. Racing American, Dirt Vision, covering all of those. Yes, indeed. Now, I'll let you know, too, uh, there are all kinds of storylines that go along with the racing that these tracks. And you can find a lot of those storylines over at RacingAmerica.com, flowracing.com or shorttrackscene.com. Uh, they all, those three sites do a really tremendous job of covering what's happening in the short track and dirt world of racing. That they do. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and move on here to the Arkham Menard series. We're going to review uh, the Calypso Lemonade 150 that took place out at Iowa Speedway last week in a combination event. Uh, we'll start with Luke Fenhouse took the lead on an overtime restart to steal the win from William Sawalich in Saturday night's Calypso Lemonade 150 at Iowa Speedway. The race was part of both the Arkham Menard Series and the Arkham Menard Series East schedules, and Fenhouse will be credited with a victory in both of those series. Mm-hmm. And Fenhouse then becomes the 355th driver to win at least one Arkham Menard Series race. He's the second consecutive first-time winner as he joined Mid-Ohio winner Tyler Ankrum and the second driver in 2023 to win in his first series start. And there he joins Phoenix winner in Arkham Menard Series West regular Tyler Reif. Now Fenhouse becomes the 37th driver since 1979 to win in his Arca Menard Series debut. Ben House now has two career Arca Menard Series victories. He won at both Nashville Fairground Speedway and Iowa Speedway. In both of those races, Fenway took the lead from William Sawalich in an overtime restart to get his win. And Fenhouse has led a total of four laps to score his two Arkham Menard Series East wins. Uh, doesn't have to lead a lot of them, just the important ones. Exactly right. So Wallach uh, finished second after leading 154 of the race's 156 laps. He started from the general tire pole and was not challenged until that final restart. Championship contender uh, Jesse Love finished third and combined with a ninth-place finish by Frankie Munoz. He now leads the Arca Menard Series championship standings by 49 points, headed into this Friday's race at Pocono Raceway. So Wallach continues to lead the Arca Menard Series East standings, but his gap is down to just 11 points over Luke Fenhouse. Now, three of the top four 
finishers, Fenhouse Fowlish, and a fourth-place finisher, uh, LeVar Scott, they're all full-time Arkham and Ard Series drivers on the East Series. Scott made his second Arkham and Art Series start and collected his second fourth-place finish. He also finished fourth in the season opener that took place at Daytona International Speedway. And Tony, Bry- Tony Breidinger has made 37 Arkham and Art Series starts before scoring her first top-five finish earlier this season at Berlin Raceway. With her fir- fifth-place finish at Iowa Speedway, Bradinger now has the two top five finishes in two of her last three starts. And she becomes the fourth female in Arkham Menard Series history to have multiple top five finishes. She joins the list of Aaron Crocker Everham, Haley Deegan, and Natalie Decker. Andres Perez fought uh, throttle body issues throughout the first two thirds of the race, but Quick work by his crew chief, Jamie Jones, and his rev racing team allowed him to stay on the lead lap while a change was made during the second race break, leading to a sixth-place result. Christian Rose matched his career-best Arkham Menard Series finish as he came home seventh. And then Connor Jones finished in eighth place. He's the first driver not on the lead lap. He has finished among the top ten in all four of his Arkham Menard Series starts and in both of his Arkham Menard Series East starts in 2023. Frankie Munoz uh, finished ninth in his first career start at Iowa Speedway, which is his seventh Arkham Menard Series top ten finish in just nine starts. John Garrett notched his second Arkham Menard Series top ten finish of the season, matching his result at Berlin Raceway in tenth. We talked about this. The next race for the Arkham Menard Series now is the Spring Hill Shooting Range 150. It'll be at Pocono Raceway on Friday, June 21st. Race is set for a 6 p.m. Eastern green flag and be televised on FS1 as well as broadcast on select affiliates of the MRN radio network nationwide. The next race for the Arkham Menard Series East is the Reese's 200 at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. That's a combination race with the Arkham Menard Series again. That will take place on Friday, August the 11th. The race is set for 6 p.m. ET, uh, and the green flag will be televised live on Fox Sports 1 and broadcast on select affiliates of the MRN radio network nationwide. So uh, a lot going on there at Iowa Speedway uh, and some really good results for uh, some of those drivers. And I caught part of that one on the radio. It was some great racing. Uh, Even with Solowich's domination, you never know what will happen in those last, what, two laps that he did not lead. Exactly. Now, Jay gave you most of the details for the race for the Arkham and Art Series out at Pocono uh, at Sunset Hill 150 <clears throat> tomorrow night. Uh, again, the only thing I'm going to add to that is they are racing a distance of 150 miles over 60 laps. Well, and that's Sunset Hill 150, which will be the 10th race of the 20 for the Arkham Menard Series in 2023. It'll mark the 71st championship points-paying race for the Arkham Menard Series, and that's including three non-points invitation-only races that were held in the 1980s. 
and it is the 74th time the Arkham Menard Series has raced at Pocono Raceway. The first Arkham Menard Series race at Pocono was won by Bobby Watson and was held on the now-defunct three-quarter-mile oval that was located around what is now the NASCAR Cup Series garage area. There have been no repeat winners in the last 30 Arkham Menard Series races. And man, i got to make sure I read that right. There have been no repeat winners in the last 30 Arkham Menard Series races at Pocono Raceway, dating back to Chase Miller's win back in 2010. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. Tim Steele is leading the Arkham Menard, is the leading Arkham Menard Series winner at Pocono Raceway. He's collected nine of his 41 career wins at the Turkey Triangle. Five of those wins came from July of 1996 through July of 1998 and were consecutive victories. Uh, 48 different drivers have won at least one Arkham Menard Series race at Pocono Raceway. Start with Bob Schacht, who has four. Lee Raymond, Bra- uh, Bob, sorry, Bob Keselowski has five. Jimmy Horton, two. Ben Hess, Tim Steele, I mentioned, has nine. Jeff Purvis, Mike Wallace has three. Frank Kimmel also has three. Blaze Alexander, Kelly Earnhardt, Ryan Newman, Damon Lusk, Casey Atwood, Casey Mears, Scott Riggs, Ryan Hempel, Travis Cavapel, Chase Miller, Chad McCombie, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Justin Algar, Joey Logano, Justin Loft, Craig Doze, uh, Rob Brent, Tim George Jr., Ty Dillon, Brennan Poole, Chad Hackenbrack, Chase Elliott, Corey LaJoy, Kyle Larson, Justin Allison, Trevor Bain, Grant Enfinger, Chase Briscoe, Riley Herbst, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, Zane Smith, Ty Majeski, Christian Eckes, Ty Gibbs, Corey Heim, and Taylor Gray all have victories there. Amazing. Now, 14 drivers are in their first career Arkham Art Series win at Pocono, including Kerry Earnhardt, Ryan Newman, Casey Atwood, Scott Riggs, Craig Ghost, um, Rob Brent, Tim George Jr., Chad Hackenbrack, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Justin Allison, Trevor Bain, Cole Custer, and Riley Herbst. For Atwood, Riggs, Cavapo, Ghost, Brent, George, Hackenbrack, Elliott, Larson, Allison, Bain, and Custer, it is their only Arkham Art Series victory. I'm going back to Bob Schacht. He won two of the three non-points Arkham Menard Series invitational races only at Pocono Raceway. That was in 1985 and 1987. It was Bobby Jacks who won it in 1986. And those victories do not count as official Arkham Menard Series wins. Wow. Brendan Poole holds the track qualifying record that was set in 2012 at 51.857 seconds and 173.554 miles per hour. A little below that is the track race record, which Christian Eckes holds, and that was set in a caution-free 150-mile race in 2019. It was at 164.534 miles per hour. 
Jesse Love enters the Sunset Hill 150 with a 49-point lead over Frankie Munoz in the Arkham Menard Series Championship point standings. Love has won four of the nine races held so far in 2023 with wins at Talladega Super Speedway, Kansas Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Elko Speedway. Well, the other winners in 2023 that... uh... Love didn't win. Those include Greg Van Alst at Daytona, Tyler Reif out at Phoenix, William Sowich got his at Berlin, and we mentioned Tyler Ankrum at Mid-Ohio, as well as uh, Luke Fenhouse now at Iowa. General Tire Pole winners in 2023 include Connor Mosack at Daytona, William Sowich at Phoenix, Elko, and Iowa. Jesse Love at Kansas, Charlotte, and Berlin, and Sean Hingarani out at Mid-Ohio. The record for most cautions and caution caution flag laps was set back in June of 2006 and tied again in August of 2007. That's set at nine cautions for 49 laps. There's been the one caution-free race in 2019, it's the most recent caution-free race in Arkham Menard Series history. Now, last year's race was slowed by caution flags six different times for 31 laps. Uh, that forced an early end to the 200-mile uh, race due to darkness. The race was shortened to 64 laps, 16 laps short of the scheduled distance. Well, and if the race isn't short, it needs to go into overtime. There will be unlimited attempts at a two-lap green-white checkered finish. Should the caution flag be displayed after the white flag is displayed, there is an unlimited attempt at the one-lap green and white together finish. So, again, that's a little bit different for the Arkham Menard series. Yes, it is. Uh, again, there's all kinds of news stories over at uh, Uh There's a nice feature on Stephanie Moyer, Homecoming, and more storylines ahead of Friday's race at Pocono. So you'll want to check that out. But real quick, I want to make sure you know, we talked about when the next race is for the Arca Menard Series. Uh, at Pocono, the Arca East will be racing at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park in August. And then the next race for the Arca West <clears throat> is the Sasta 150, July 29th at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time out at Shasta Speedway. That race will be available via live streaming over at o Racing, and you can listen to radio coverage over at arcaracing.com. So uh, a lot of racing still to go here for all three of the Arkham Art Series. And I know today we're not going to have time to go through the full entry list, but I counted them. There was 24 entered for the Spring Hill 150 there for the Arkham Art Series at Pocono. I'm sorry, the Sunset Hill Shooting Range 150. Um, so that's a, a pretty good field there for the Arkham Art Series at Pocono. It certainly is, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to being able to watch that race uh, on Fox Sports 1. So they're going to be on a pretty big stage this weekend with the Fox Sports 1 uh, coverage of the race on Friday night. Did you have something else you wanted to say, Jay? (laughs) 
No, I think we're ready. I know we got a lot to cover with the uh, other series, so if you're ready to move on, we will. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and move on to our notes for the uh, truck series race that's taking place out at Pocono Raceway this weekend. Uh, the NASCAR Crestman Truck Series will brace the CRC Bracklin, uh 150 at Pocono Saturday, July the 22nd at noon Eastern time. Fox Sports 1 will have pre-race coverage starting at 11 a.m. Eastern, and radio coverage is on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 150 miles over 60 laps. The first two stages are 15 laps each. Stage 1 ends on lap 15, stage 2 on lap 30, and the last stage is 30 laps ending on lap 60. Well, and the truck series here definitely has a unique entry list as uh, we're getting race picks in, but one of them is Kaz Grala, as he's going to attempt his third NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series start of 2023. He's a full-time NASCAR Xfinity Series driver. Uh, he's going to return, though, to the seat of the number one Tricon Garage Toyota Tundra for TRD Pro at Pocono Raceway. This will be his third Craftsman Truck Series event of 2023. Earlier this year, the 24-year-old finished 17th at Las Vegas and 9th at Coda. Agrella has two previous Craftsman Truck Series starts at the Tricky Triangle, coming in 2017 and 2022, where he finished 23rd both times. Okay, there's also three Cup Series drivers that are going to pull double duty at the Triple tricky triangle. Of the 39 entries in this weekend's CRC Breckling 150, three Cup Series drivers will attempt to pull a double duty. That includes Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, and Ross Chastain. They've each visited Victory Lane at the famed track nestled in the Pocono Mountains. Kyle Busch in 2015 and 18 is the only repeat winner at Pocono Raceway for the Truck Series. Busch, who will pilot the number 50 51, Kyle Busch Motorsports Chevrolet is one of four drivers who have won the race from the pole, and he did that in 2018. He currently holds the most top five finishes and the most laps led at 148 laps for the series at that track. Kyle Busch Motorsports is still on the hunt for their 100th truck series win, so watch for that this weekend. Then there's Christopher Bell. He's got two previous starts at the fame track and has never finished outside of the top ten. Bell, who last saw victory lane in 2017 at the Tricky Triangle, is behind the wheel of the number 61 for a Tory Racing Enterprises Toyota. The Norman, Oklahoma native finished tenth in his Pocono Raceway debut in 2017. Bell isn't the only returning driver who has never finished outside the top 10 at that 2.5-mile track. Ross Chastain, who will now be piloting the number 41 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet, has made four previous starts in 2012, 13, 19, and 2020. He took the checkered flag in 2019. In his last start at Pocono Raceway, the 30-year-old finished in sixth place. And for the Craftsman Truck Series, Sunoco Rookie of the Year, that battle is trudging on. The rookie class has traversed their way through 14 races. Now just one race remaining in the regular season, 
We're going to take a little deeper look at where they're sitting as they prepare to take on the Tricky Triangle in Pocono. Leading that rookie pack with 386 points is Nick Sanchez, piloting the number two Rev Racing Chevrolet. He posted a ninth place finish at Mid-Ohio, earning him the Sunoco Rookie of the Race Award for the third time this season. Sanchez continues to be the highest finishing rookie so far, with his best finish being second place at Atlanta. Following suit, though, in the second place spot is Bill McAnally Racing's Jake Garcia. He has 308 points. He posted a sixteenth place finish at the famed sports car course. And driver of the number 35 Chevrolet has earned the three Snoko Rookie of the Race awards. Garcia's best finish in 14 races, a fifth, and that came at Texas Motor Speedway. Hanging steady in third uh, is to, at 247 points. We find GMS Racing's Daniel Dye. And Dye returns from the mid-Ohio posting a 14th place finish. The Dillon, Florida's native's best finish so far this season. That came a gateway with an 11th place. Tied for fourth and fifth, we have GMS Racing's uh, other truck, the Raja Caruth, as well as Tricon Garage's Taylor Gray. They have 238 points. Rounding out the rookie class is 200, with 200 points is Brett Holmes Racing's very own Brett Holmes in his cell phone number 32 Chevrolet. Okay, in the Craftsman Truck Series, there's only two races left, and the playoff field is almost set. Uh, with those two races to go in the regular season, the battle to advance is really heating up. Here's a look at the Craftsman Truck Series playoff standings. Drivers that are locked in, six drivers locked in for this season uh, with a win. That includes Dane Smith with his wins at Daytona and Coda. Christian Eckes at Atlanta and Darlington. Carson Hosefar, he won at Texas and Nashville. Corey Heim won at Martinsville and Mid-Ohio. Grant Enfinger had wins at Kansas and Gateway, WWTR. And Ben Rhodes, his win came at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Currently in on points, there's one driver uh, who's 95 points over the playoff cutoff following Mid-Ohio, and that's Thor Sport Racing's Ty Majeski. Ty, Matt DiBenedetto is plus five. Uh, of Rackley War, he follows behind. With just two points above the cut line, ranked in ninth is the Craftsman Truck Series playoff outlook is Rev Racing's Nick Sanchez. And following behind is the driver of the number 88 Ford, Thor Sports' Matt Crafton. He's just one point above that cut line. The drivers on the outside looking in, that's another 10 drivers on the outside of the cut line. But with those two races left to run, they have to earn their way into the Truck Series playoffs. That includes Helmut Friesen's Stuart Friesen. Uh, he's in 11th place, just one point behind Matt Crafton. Tricon Garage's Tanner Grace is 24 points off the final playoff spot. And following Friesen and Gray are Chase Purdy down 49 points from the cutoff. Tyler Ankrum down 79. Jake Garcia down 77. Daniel Dye down 138, Raja Karuth down 147, Taylor Gray also down 147, Haley Deegan down 154, and Kobe Howard is down 169. The clinch scenarios, uh, if there's a repeat winner 
or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the playoffs. There are some drivers that could clinch by being 56 points above the fourth winless driver in the standings. The state, the same point requirements would hold true if a comes from Ty Majeski, Matt DiBenedetto, or Nick Sanchez. Those drivers include Ty Majeski, he can 12 points, uh, but he needs 14 points if DiBenedetto wins and 15 points if Nick Sanchez wins. Matt DiBenedetto and Nick Sanchez can only win with help. Now, if there's a new winner from Matt Crafton or another winless driver, lower in the standings but still eligible to advance to the playoffs, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the third winless drivers in the standings. Ty Majeski needs 16 points. Matt DiDibbin and Nadetto would need extra help. Drivers that can uh, clinch with a win, uh, in addition to the drivers that we've uh, mentioned here, Actually, I think we've mentioned almost all of them. I'll just go last name. Majeski, DiBenedetto, Sanchez, Crafton, Friesen, Gray, Tanner Gray, Chase Purdy, Ankrum, Dye, Carruth, Haley Deegan, Howard, Brett Holmes, Dean Thompson, Lawless Allen, and Spencer Boyd. That's a mouthful. Well, one driver that's got that's, – it is. One driver that's got a taste in his mouth, though, is that's Corey Heim, as he can almost taste the regular season championship now with two to go. And despite missing Gateway due to an illness, Tricon Garage's Corey Heim continues to have a very strong season as he holds the driver points lead in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series with just two races to go in the regular season. The 20-year-old is currently 26 points up on reigning Craftsman Truck Series champion Zane Smith. Heim's point lead began after a strong finish at North Wilkesboro. He won stage one and finished sixth overall, gaining him a total of 48 points to jump from third in the standings over Ty Majeski and Zane Smith. The Georgia native has accumulated two wins at Martinsville and Mid-Ohio, six top fives and 11 top 10 finishes. The driver of the number 11 Toyota can clinch the regular season championship this weekend, but will need help. Uh, Heim or whoever is the points leader would need to be up by the corresponding numbers after the race. After Pocono, he would need uh, 60 or 61 points, depending on the tie break. Uh, Richmond, zero to one points, depending on the tie break. Now, front-wheel motorsports Zane Smith, 26 points back from the points lead, continues to stay close to that top spot. Now, Smith had a tough stretch from Darlington to Gateway. He managed to back, bounce back at Nashville as well as Mid-Ohio, finishing second at each track. And the 24-year-old who swept the regular season and postseason championship in 2022, he's accumulated two wins, seven top fives, and seven top ten finishes this season. Okay. Uh, We're going to go ahead and move on now. We're going to review the uh, Xfinity Series race that took place out at um, New Hampshire Motor Speedway. I had to stop and think what track it was. Uh, And uh, we're going to go over uh, some of the stats here uh, for that race. 
okay, let's start with the race winner. Uh, the race winner out at New Hampshire Motor Speedway for the M Better Health 200 was John Hunter Nemechek at the age of 26, driving the number 20 Purcell Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing with crew chief Ben Bashore. It was a sixth victory in 85 Xfinity Series races, his fourth victory and 15th top 10 finish in 2023. Um, hold on, I just lost my notes. Uh, and his first victory in second top ten finish in three races at New Hampshire. Chandler Smith finished second, posting his first top ten finish in one race at New Hampshire and his eighth top ten finish of the season. Austin Hill in third, posting his second top ten finish in two races at New Hampshire. And Chandler Smith, who finished second, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, moving on to uh, the last race uh, and the winner there, here, John Hunter Nemechek completed the first back-to-back victory effort of his career, and he did it convincingly, winning Saturday's and Better Health 200. Uh, at New Hampshire. Uh, that answered the big victory that he also had at Atlanta Motor Speedway just the week before. He held off the field for a couple of late race restarts and stamped a near-perfect day by winning the Xfinity Series race at New Hampshire. Uh, Nemechek led 137 of 202 laps on his way to his fourth triumph of the season. The pole sitter, Chandler Smith, finished second after leading 10 laps, Austin Hill in third, with Daniel Hemrick and Sammy Smith rounding out the top five. Stage one winner was Justin Algauer. He overcame a couple of hurdles to finish sixth. Jeb Burton ended his race in seventh, with Josh Williams earning his second consecutive top ten finish in eighth. Then it was Brett Moffitt and Mason Massey rounding out the top ten. Algar won the opening stage as the number 18 earned his first stage win uh, of 2023 in the second stage. There were 13 lead changes among seven drivers and 10 cautions for 60 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 82.417 miles per hour. Your thoughts? Jay, on the top ten drivers. Well, as always, there's a lot of storylines there. We'll start with John Hunter Nemechek uh, showing some dominance and setting himself as one of the championship four contenders. I know it was with some controversy on a restart that we'll talk about uh, in Hot Topics, I'm sure, but that also changed up the rest of the top ten. Chandler Smith, Austin Hill, Two of them that we've seen throughout the year, uh, I think, again, are going to be fairly solid contenders. But we had two rookies, Chandler Smith in second, Sammy Smith in fifth, who's got a victory, so it will be in the playoffs. Then he had some finishes, Jeb Burton in seventh, Josh Williams in eighth, Brett Moffitt in ninth, and Mason Massey in tenth. Uh, We'll talk about the point standings in that playoff bubble. That could really shake shake some things up. But I think overall what I got from the weekend, we see these contenders, the ones we expect to even go all the way to the championship four, Austin Hill, John Hunter Nemechek, Justin Algar, uh, you know, the strength of the team is there. We just haven't seen the dominance we've seen from junior motorsports in the past. So 
That one's kind of questionable to me. Okay, there were 206 laps uh, completed in this race. Only 20 drivers completed all 206 drivers. Uh, some other drivers, a total of 28, uh, finished the race but finished laps or one lap or more down. Several drivers had issues throughout the race, starting with Greg Van Alt, who had a brake issue on lap 17. Uh, an oil line issue uh, shortened the race for Rajah Karuth. He was out on lap 47. Uh, Stefan Parsons had uh, suspension issues, taking him out on lap 48. Also with suspension issues was uh, Chad Fincham out on lap 60. Uh, three drivers out due to an accident on lap 70. Uh, they include Parker Kligerman, Ryan Sieg, and Anthony Alfredo. Uh, result of hard racing. Uh, then you've got uh, Parker Retzlaff. He had an accident on lap 190, taking him out of the race. Uh, actually, Chris Hacker finished the race, but he was multiple laps down. And then finishing uh, in 29th place was Joe Graff Jr. Uh, and he had a, he was out on lap 196 because of an accident. So uh, that's kind of the uh rundown here of what happened to those that didn't finish as well as they had hoped. Uh, the race did end under caution, uh, so it took two hours, 38 minutes, and 40 seconds to run this race. Jay, do you want to uh, cover the points? Well, and then what I was going to say real quick, uh, as you mentioned that, that caution to end the race involved Sheldon Creed and Cole Custer, and Cole Custer is another one. Um, that I think you have to kind of pencil into the final four. And we'll talk about that here with the point standings. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek is your leader, 730 points, 33 points over Austin Hill, and 60 over Justin Dalgar. Cole Custer is in fourth at minus 74. And then Chandler Smith is in fifth, and all of those have victories. Josh Berry, your top uh, one in points as far as not having a victory. In sixth, seventh is Daniel Hemrick, eighth is Sammy Smith, ninth, Sam Mayer, and tenth, Sheldon Creed. Then in 11th and 12th, Riley Herbst and Parker Kligerman. But Parker Kligerman right now would be bumped out. He's got 439 points, but Jeb Burton behind him at 423 has a victory, so would jump into the playoff standings. So that puts the gap between... Parker Kligerman and Riley Herbst at 18 points. Um, so that's where your cut line is. You also got Brett Moffitt, Brandon Jones, Kaz Grala, all right there nipping it at his heels. But when I go uh, talking about the playoffs, John Hunter Nemechek leads the way with 24 playoff points built up. Austin Hill has 18. Cole Custer is third with 15. And then Justin Algar with 10. And we're looking at another 15 points for John Hunter Nemechek if he were to win the regular season championship. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting with these next two races. I know these guys uh, uh, are really wanting uh, to get into these playoffs. Uh, Parker Kligerman, uh, he has tried so hard. Uh, and has not been able to make it into the playoffs yet. Uh, but I expect some good hard racing from not only him, but the other drivers that are wanting to get into these playoffs. 
And Pocono is is one that you can consider maybe not as wild a wild card as some other races, but we we saw the entry list. Uh, there's some drivers doing double duty. I don't know about here on the Xfinity Series side, but um, you talk about four to five wide on restarts. Restarts are going to be huge. It is, and and NASCAR's already warned the drivers uh, to watch their P's and Q's on these restarts. Uh, they they're going to try to curtail the gamesmanship that uh, a lot of these drivers are doing. Uh, and, again, we'll talk about it on Hot Topics. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, they are racing. They explore the Pocono Mountains 225 out of Pocono Raceway this Sunday, July. I think that's supposed to be Saturday. Uh, Saturday, July 22nd at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be televised on the USA Network at 5 p.m. Eastern, as well as on radio, uh, on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll race a distance of 225 miles over 90 laps. The first two stages are 20 laps apiece. Stage 1 ends on lap 20, stage 2 on lap 40. The final stage is 50 laps, ending on lap 90. What do we have for the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, I saw this one on social media. Ryan Vargas is going to join 3F Racing. Ryan Vargas, who runs a part-time schedule in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and Craftsman Truck Series, has signed with 3F Racing as the Director of Team and Driver Development. He will also be the team's reserve driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. His team has partnered with Lee Falk Racing, a late model program out of Denver, North Carolina, to prepare cars for tests and racing. Oh, interesting. That's uh, pretty pretty cool for Ryan Vargas. Also, Daniel Suarez is going to join Colleague Racing at Pocono. The NASCAR Cup Series regular Suarez will be joining uh, the Colleague Racing team to pilot that number 10 Chevrolet at Pocono. Uh, this will be Suarez's second Xfinity Series start of this season. He's the 2016 Xfinity Series champion, and Suarez has made two starts this year. At, starts at Pocono Raceway, posting one top five and two top tens. So we'll see what he does this weekend uh, for Colleague Racing. When the next double duty one is headed the other way, as Cole Custer heads to his third Cup Series start at 2023. SHR's Cole Custer ran full-time in the Cup Series schedule last season, made a deal to pilot the number 51 Ford for Rick Ware Racing for three Cup races this season. First came a couple of weeks ago at Atlanta Motor Speedway, where he finished 32nd, and his second came last weekend at New Hampshire, where he fell victim to a crash and finished 35th. Now he'll join the number 51 Ford team again this weekend at Pocono Raceway. He's made a six-series Six Cup Series Pocono starts with a best finish of 17th, which came twice in 2020 and 2022. Okay, now we'll take a look at the series playoff standings. There are five spots still open with eight races left to run. Uh, with yet another win by Joe Gibbs Racing's John Hunter Nemechek last weekend in New Hampshire, his fourth of the season, drivers now have eight chances to snag one of five remaining playoff spots. 
The following seven drivers already earned their spot in the playoffs by virtue of wins, including John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Hill, Cole Custer, Justin Algauer, Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith, and Jeb Burton. Currently in that eighth spot in the playoff outlook is junior motorsports' Josh Berry, who made it to the championship four round in the playoffs last year. Barry has seven top fives, 11 top tens, and this season thus far, he's currently at 105 points above the postseason cut line. Now, Barry's made two starts at Pocono in the Xfinity Series. He has one top five and two top tens. Colleague Racing's Daniel Hemrick moved up a slot in the standings after posting a top five, top finish, top five finish last weekend in New Hampshire. He's now in the ninth spot. He's up 71 points on Parker Kligerman in the first spot outside the playoff cut line in 13th. The 2021 Xfinity Series champion has put up three top fives and ten top tens this season. If he can hold on to a postseason spot, he will look to make the playoffs for the fifth time in his career. 2017-18, and 2012-22. Now, Richard Childress Racing, Sheldon Creed slides into that 10th spot in the playoff outlook. He's up 45 points on the postseason cut line. This season, he's collected two top fives, six top tens, and a pole in the Xfinity Series. At 25, he's only made one start at Pocono Raceway, posting a fifth-place finish. Junior Motorsports' Sam Mayer, he's now sitting 11th in the playoff outlook. He's plus 63 points above the cut line. He's made two starts at the Turkey Triangle, posting one top 10 finish. Sitting in that final transfer spot on points in 12th place is Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Herbst, who is still on the hunt for his first win in the Xfinity Series. He's made three starts at Pocono. His best finish was ninth in 2020. Parker Kligerman, who is right below that cut line, is 18 points back from Herbst. He'll be making his debut at the track this weekend. Uh, so I know he wants it bad. He's going to be racing hard. Well, we talked about a streak for the Arkham Menard Series. And will the Xfinity Series different winner streak at Pocono continue? Seems as no one has been able to conquer the tricky triangle more than once as Pocono at Pocono Raceway has yet to see a repeat winner in Victory Lane. Only one of the seven win- former winners will have the opportunity to break that streak, and that's Cole Custer, as he's the only previous winner entered into this weekend's Explore the Pocono Mountains 225 on Saturday. A three-turn, 2.5-mile paved Pocono Raceway has seen seven, seen a different driver in victory lane every every year since Kyle Larson won the inaugural event back in 2016. Since then, Brad Keselowski in 17, Kyle Busch in 18, Cole Custer in 19. The 20s was Chase Briscoe, 21 was Austin Sindrick, and then Noah Gregson in 2022 have all hoisted the trophy in the famed victory lane. Custer heads into this weekend with four Pocono starts under his belt, posting that one win in 2019, two top fives, and all four top tens. Now, although he has done well in all of his starts, they don't call Pocono Raceway the tricky triangle for nothing. 
is he's going to have his work cut out for him if he plans to become the track's first repeat winner in the Xfinity Series. A one driver striving to keep the streak alive is junior motorsports Justin Algar. The 37-year-old driver has proved he has speed on the 2.5-mile track, snagging the pole in last year's race. In his seven starts, he's posted two top fives and four top tens. College Racing's Daniel Hamrick is another driver who is sure to push to keep the Pocono different winner streak alive this weekend and break his own 51 winless streak. His last win was the championship race in Phoenix back in 2021. In his five starts at the Tricky Triangle, he's posted one top five and four top ten finishes. Now, last season, the junior motorsports team, which consisted of Noel Gregson, Justin Algar, Josh Berry, and Sam Mayer, was the one to be reckoned with, winning 14 of 33 races, which is 42.4% on the NASCAR Xfinity Series schedule. This season, it seems the team, which now includes Algar, Barry, Mayer, and Brandon Jones, is having some trouble finding their footing, though, and landing in victory lane, having recorded only one win thus far. That was Justin Algar at Charlotte. But their luck might turn around this weekend as the drivers have performed well at this track in their respective starts. Algar has posted the two top fives and four top tens in his seven starts, and he's come extremely close to chasing victory lane at the 2.5-mile track, though, finishing runner-up in 2017. Barry doesn't have quite the same experience as Algar at Pocono Raceway, but has proved his skill at the track. In his track debut in 2021, he raced his way up to a ninth-place finish after starting 33rd, and last finish, he, last season he finished third. Now, like Barry, Mayer is still new to racing at the three-turn track. First year running the NASCAR Xfinity Series on a part-time schedule in 2021, he posted an 18th place finish, but then came back last season with a little more experience under his belt and finished sixth. Jones is still trying to figure out how to conquer the tricky triangle as well. In his seven starts, he's posted two top tens with a best finish of seventh coming in 2021. Okay, I'm going to start off with, uh, I missed this for the truck series, uh, so let me just say for the truck series, practice and qualifying for the CRC Bracklin 150 will be Friday, July 21st at 1.35 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. There's also the Xfinity Series drivers will kick off their practice on Friday at 3.35 p.m., followed by pole qualifying at 4.05 p.m. Eastern on the USA Network and streamed on the NBC Sports app. So uh, <clears throat> we'll go ahead and move on now to our review of the uh, NASCAR Cup Series out at New Hampshire, starting with the winner uh, on Monday, Martin Truex Jr. won the Crayon 300 one on his 34th victory 
in 641 Cup Series races. It was his third victory and 10th top 10 finish of the season, and his first victory and 15th top 10 finish in 30 races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Really exciting to see that. Joey Logano finished second. He was disappointed with that. He posted his 14th top 10 finish in 25 races at New Hampshire, and it's his 10th top 10 finish this year. Uh, He's a favorite out at New Hampshire, so a lot of people were disappointed. Uh, Kyle Larson finished in third, posting his seventh top ten finish in 13 races at New Hampshire. Ty Gibbs finished 27th, but he was the highest finishing rookie of that race. And then just to kind of go over the review, uh, that win for Martin Truex Jr. was his third win of the season after a very dominant performance at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Truex led more than 900 laps at New Hampshire without claiming any victory hardware in 29 previous starts at the 1.058-mile oval. However, the driver of the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota left absolutely no doubt about securing that first career win in Monday's rain-delayed Crayon 301 at the track by leading 254 of the 301 laps. Uh, The win, again, was his third of the year, the first at New Hampshire and the 34th of his career. Logano finished in second, followed by Kyle Larson. Then it was Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski rounding out the top five. Then Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, Bubba Wallace, Austin Dillon, and Chase Briscoe round out the top ten. Truex again dominated the race, taking the lead on the second lap and overcoming several late cautions. He led, again, 254 of the 301 laps. The pole winner, Christopher Bell, led only one lap on the day. After a couple of bad pit stops, he worked his way back into the top ten until he got into the wall with 13 laps to go. Rear end damage relegated him to a 29th place finish. Again, the race was on Monday after it was postponed due to rain on Sunday. Stage 1 and 2 were both won by Martin Truex Jr. There were 13 lead changes among nine drivers and eight cautions for 41 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 101.572 miles per hour, and the margin of victory was .396 thousandths of a second. Your thoughts about the top ten finishers, Jay? Well, several storylines, just to start with, would be all around Martin Truex. Uh, You mentioned the 30th start to get a victory at this would be his home track. I know they joke about him having several home tracks, but this one really is. And to finally get that victory after having dominant performances like this before and not getting it. And I'll tell you what, it came really close. Joey Logano was closing in those last couple laps for whatever the reason. Um, Mm -hmm. He made it interesting there at the end, but just ran out of laps. Some other storylines there. You mentioned Christopher Bell. I still think maybe had one of the best cars there as he has had over the several years, had some problems and was recovering up into the top 10 you mentioned, but uh, got a little too aggressive there at the end. But that always opens the door for some other stories. Brad Keselowski got a top five, kind of expected that. I had him picked for my fantasy driver. Um, Team RFK putting both teams into the playoffs. But that's where the back half of the top 10 
You look at Bubba Wallace, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, just outside, Eric Jones, Chase Elliott, Michael McDowell, Alex Bowman. These are the drivers battling for the playoff bubble as well, not just for this race, but the playoff bubble, um, I think is going to get real interesting, especially if we see a different winner come this weekend at Pocono. Absolutely. Uh, 27 drivers completed all 301 laps. Uh, then you go down to 31st place uh, where drivers finished uh, the race but finished laps down, including the 33rd place driver, Corey LaJoy, who finished running, but he was multiple laps down. Drivers having incidents uh, this week. Kyle Busch had a very short race. He had an accident taking him out of the race on lap 71. Cole Custer was out due to an accident on lap 130. Uh, Eric Amarola out on lap 168 because of an accident. And Noah Gregson had that accident taking him out of the race on lap 268. Uh, so, again, most of the drivers finished this race, uh, some multiple laps down, uh, but quite a few of them finished all 301 laps. And there's another storyline you want to look at. Stuart Haas racing. Uh, Kevin Harvick finished in the four spot. Again, having a very solid season. Not always what we expect from Kevin Harvick. But uh, for this season, for SHR, that's been the high point. But you had Chase Briscoe end up in 10th. Uh, Eric Almarola had a top contending car uh, throughout the event. And again, had some issues putting back a little bit further. But I thought we saw some signs of life, if you will, from SHR there at New Hampshire. So hopefully that can continue into Pocono. Okay. We know we're going to need every minute for the NASCAR Cup Series preview. Uh, So let's uh, do the Reader's Digest version of the points report. All right. Right now... uh, Sitting atop is Martin Truex, as he did take over the points lead uh, by 17 points over William Byron. Now got three wins to William Byron's four. Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, your top eight, ninth through 16th. Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Chris Buescher, Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse, Bubba Wallace, and Michael McDowell. McDowell in the 16th spot at 432. Daniel Suarez is only one point out. Uh, it's another 20 or 19 points back, 20 points back actually for A.J. Allmendinger and another 11 back for Ty Gibbs. So they're approaching that. They need to have some very solid runs, if not wins. Real quick, though, I wanted to hit the – um, playoff points that people have built up. William Byron right now leads at 22. Martin Truex now has 18. Kyle Busch has 17. And then you got two other drivers with double digits. Kyle Larson has 12. And Ross Chastain is 10. So those guys are just setting themselves up for the playoffs. They know they're in. They're setting themselves up for where they're going to rank and start and what playoff points they have back to back it up. Well, the next race on the docket for the NASCAR Cup Series is the HighPoint.com 400 at Pocono Raceway this Sunday, July the 23rd at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on USA at 2 p.m. Eastern, as well as on the radio, MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll race a distance of 400 miles over 160 laps. 
uh, stage one is 30 laps, ending on lap 30. Stage two is uh, 65 laps, ending on lap 95. And then the next uh, stage is 65 laps, uh, ending on lap 160. So, again, we need to do Reader's Digest version for the Cup Series here. Well, the first things we got is milestones. For uh, First one is for a driver. That's Michael McDowell as he makes his 450th NASCAR Cup Series start. Driving for Front Row Motorsports, the 2021 Daytona 500 winner, be making his 450th NASCAR Cup Series start at Pocono Raceway. In 449 previous Cup Series starts, he's earned a spot in the 2021 playoffs, won the 2021 Daytona 500, has posted eight top fives and 34 top tens. Now, there's two manufacturers in uh, NASCAR's National Series that are on the cusp of milestone wins. Uh, if Ford wins any of the NASCAR National Series this weekend at Pocono, it'll be their 1,125th victory across the three series. In the Cup Series, they've got 722, Xfinity 285, and in the Truck Series, it's at 117. If Toyota wins the national, any National Series race this weekend at Pocono, it'll be their 600th victory across the three series. In Cup, they've got 176, Xfinity 196, and in the Truck Series, it's 227. Chevrolet leads the manufacturers in combined wins in NASCAR's top three series with 1,625 wins. In Cup, they have 845, Xfinity 510, and in the Truck Series, it's at 270. All right, when we look at the hunt for the regular season championship, it's Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex with his third win of the season at New Hampshire Motor Speedway last weekend and opened up his NASCAR Cup Series points lead to 17 points now over Hendrick Motorsports' William Byron. With only six races left in that regular season, they're both shooting for that title and the additional 15 playoff points that come with it. Truex is one of seven different drivers to occupy the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings lead this season. He and Byron have swapped the points lead in recent weeks, with Byron only 17 back now, and third place Christopher Dr- Christopher Bell has dropped to minus 62. It'll be interesting to see who can catch Truex in this final six-race stretch. The, okay. Yeah, the clinch scenarios are kind of uh, ridiculous at this point, but I know they have them detailed there. Um, again, yeah. it's a... 600 points, and we're only at 17, so. Okay. Well, Martin Truex Jr. grabbed his third win at New Hampshire and uh, opened up his Cup Series driver points lead to that 17 points over William Byron in second. Um, And then, uh, which you've already covered, but, again, there's only six. Oh, you just covered that, right? Let me um, skip this then because we've already covered that. The playoff bubble uh, shuffle, there's Wallace McDowell and McDowell that sit just above the postseason cutoff, making the cup season uh, playoff as, 
is a very prestigious accolade that only 46 drivers have accomplished since the postseason inception in 2004. This season, 11 drivers already have secured their spot in the playoffs by winning, leaving five spots still up for grabs at, uh, at Pocono this weekend. Kevin Harvick, he's right now 12th in the playoff outlook. He's up 137 points on the postseason cut line. He's made 43 starts at Pocono, posting one win, 15 top fives, and 22 top tens. Harvick is looking to join Denny Hamlin in extending the series record of playoff appearances. They share to 17 appearances. Uh, RFK Racing teammates Brad Keselowski, who's 13th, and Chris Buescher in 14th, are just behind Harvick in the playoffs. And Keselowski is up by 108 points on the cut line to Buescher's 97-point advantage. Keselowski made 25 starts at Pocono, posting one win, 11 top fives, and 15 top tens. Buescher's made 13 starts at the Turkey Triangle, collecting his first Cup Series win in 2016. He also has one top five and two top tens. And after not making the playoffs last season, Kozlowski is looking to rebound this year and make his 12th appearance in the postseason. Busher is looking to return to the playoffs for the second time in his career since 2016. Bubba Wallace from 2311 Racing is currently 15th in the playoff standings. He's up by a scant two points over the postseason cut line. Wallace is looking to make the driver playoffs for the first time in his career. He's made 10 starts at Pocono, putting up one top five and two top ten finishes. Then there's front row motorsports Michael McDowell. He holds on to that 16th and final playoff transfer spot on points, but only one point over Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez heading into this weekend. McDowell has made 30 starts at Pocono, posting two top tens, he finished sixth in this race last season, and he's looking to play, make the playoffs for the second time in his career since 2021. The drivers on the outside looking in, we just covered that, so I won't go into detail there. Uh, but uh, let's take a look at last year's winner, uh, who desperately needs a win this year. <clears throat> well, that was – whoops. Back up there. Okay. Jay, are you there? Section. Yeah, I was trying to. Last season's Pocono winner was Chase Elliott. He's returning looking for his first win of 2023. Hendrick Motorsports driver and then NASCAR's most popular driver, Chase Elliott, returns to Pocono Raceway to defend his win from last year with the first win of the 2023 season. He's currently outside the cutoff line at minus 60 points back from Michael McDowell in that 16th and final transfer spot. With a win this weekend, Elliott, the 2020 series champion, he would continue his streak of making the postseason to an eighth consecutive season starting back in 2016. Last season's NASCAR Cup Series race at Pocono had an interesting twist at its conclusion is Joe Gibbs racing Denny Hamlin in first and Kyle Busch in second, and the two first drivers to cross the finish line, followed by Chase Elliott in third. But both JGR cars failed post-race inspection, and their finishes were disqualified, which gave the win to Hendrick Motorsports' Chase Elliott. Elliott has made 13 career Cup Series starts at Pocono, with one win, 
four top fives and eight top tens. Average finish at the track is 14.23, which is 10th best. He ranks in the top several key pre-loop data categories. Average running position, 12.324, which is fifth best. Seventh best driver rating is 93.6. 67 fastest laps run, which is ninth best. 1,456 laps in the top 15 at 74.1% is 10th best. And 471 quality passes, which is 10th most. Okay. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> what turn for? <laughs> uh, let's see here. It says, uh, Pocono Raceway brings its one-of-a-kind style to NASCAR. Unique in its design, the three-turn paved 2.5-mile Pocono Raceway is hosting the Cup Series for the HighPoint.com 400 this Sunday. Uh, And it is the 21st event of the 26th race regular season. Originally, it was named Pocono International Raceway, and the facility opened as a three-quarter mile track in 1968. It's located in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. Pocono Raceway, as what is known as what is known as today, operated is operated by the family-owned Matteo Inc. Uh, started by Joseph II and Rose Mattioli. Uh, Pocono Raceway held the first race at the track in 1971, and the first Cup Series race at Pocono was on August 4th of 74. The first Cup Series Pocono event was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty, driving the family-owned Dodge. He won at 115.593 miles per hour. There have been 89 Cup Series races at Pocono, one race from 1974 through 81, and two races every year from 82 to 21. The 2012 season marked the first year the Cup Series races at Pocono were scheduled to 400 miles. Prior to 2012, all the Cup Series races at Pocono were 500 miles in length. The 20 and 21 seasons were the first time the Cup Series held double-header weekends at Pocono, with races running at 325 miles and 350 miles in length. This season will be the 90th time that the Cup Series has visited Pocono Raceway. The prior 89 Cup Series races have produced 46 different pole winners and 40 different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famer Bill Elliott uh, has um, several wins there. Uh, dating back to 1984. Ken Schrader has wins, multiple wins, dating back to 89. They lead the Cup Series in poles at Pocono Raceway with five apiece. This weekend, 10 of the 46 Pocono Raceway pole winners, 21.7%, are active and led by Kyle Busch with four Pocono poles, dating back to the spring of 2010. Kyle Busch has the four, Denny Hamlin with three, Joy Logano two, and then the remaining drivers here all have one win, dating back from 2014 to 2019. They include Kevin Harvick, William Byron, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Larson. NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon has... um, Led the series in wins, 
dating back to 1996 with Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin having multiple wins dating back to 2006. They lead the Cup Series in wins at Pocono with six victories each. A total of 10 of the 40 Cup Series Pocono Raceway winners, 25%, are entered this weekend. Denny Hamlin leads with six wins dating back to 2006. Kyle Busch has four wins dating back to 2017. Martin Truex has the two wins in 15 and 18. Following drivers from 2011 to 2022 each have one win. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Chris Buescher, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman, and Chase Elliott. Make sure to check out all of the Cup Series at-track activity this weekend from Pocono Raceway with practice on Sunday, July the 22nd, starting at 2.35 p.m. Eastern until 3.20 p.m. Eastern. That will be directly followed by the Bushlight Pole qualifying at 3.20 p.m., and both events will be televised live on the USA Network starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We do have a little bit of extra time. I was so worried that we weren't going to have enough time to finish it, Jay. I know I rushed you. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and give a fantasy update for our fan for racing group. All right. Well, James on the overall has reclaimed the uh, top spot at 253 points. Sam at 246, Tommy and Sharon at 245. I'm a little bit slacking in the middle there at 234. Brian's 230, Andy 224, Mike at 213, and Owen at 202. And when it comes to the truck, whoops, truck series, it'll be the first ones on the uh, tricky triangle. James has a 10-point lead there, uh, 125 over Sam at 115, Tommy 109. Myself, 108, Owens at 100, Brian, 97, Mike, 92, Sharon, 91, Aaron, uh, Andy, sorry, at 78. Hold on one second, sorry. That says the Cup Series, but that shouldn't be right. Uh, the Xfinity Series. Yeah, I'm sorry, that was the Cup Series I just did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, James is what, yeah, that was the that was the cup series. I didn't think that was right. Uh so I'll go to the Xfinity series next. Uh Sharon, you lead there ninety four points. Andy's at eighty eight, Brian eighty one, as well as James. A gap down to me at sixty nine, Mike at sixty eight, Sam sixty one along with Tommy, and then Owen at fifty seven. And on the truck side, Tommy leads the trucks at seventy five points. Sam has 70, Sharon 60, Andy 58, myself 57, Mike 53, Brian 52, James 47, and Owen at 45. So I know we talked about how many races we got left here. Uh, The only one I'd say might really be out of reach, I think, is the Cup Series for Andy at 78 points to the 125. But we got playoff points, and we do double points during the playoffs, so it's still possible. I haven't even started doing the math yet. I know. It's uh, really amazing um, that this is already winding down uh, for the NASCAR season. Uh, Two races for the truck series, 
eight races, I believe, for the Xfinity Series and six races for the Cup Series. Just amazing that we're coming down to the wire here. Well, and I think we're in for a really interesting postseason yet again in all the series. Uh, we got a couple of rookies that have wins in the Xfinity Series. I know the Truck Series, none of them have wins yet, but Nick Sanchez at least has showed being in contention and come really close. Um, on the Cup side, obviously that doesn't involve the rookie, but that cut line around on the Cup Series, uh, so many different drivers. Uh, let me see if I still have the points pulled up. I do. Um, when we look at drivers that were either have wins or were in the playoffs last year, Daniel Suarez, A.J. Allmendinger, Alex Bowman, Austin Sindrick, Chase Elliott, they're on the outside looking in. Uh, Eric Almarola, Austin Dillon, those are drivers that are capable of winning, and that'll really change up that cut line we're talking about one point. Yeah, it's it's close. Okay, let's talk about some of the news uh, that is available here. Uh, I know we're going to talk about this one during um, uh, our Hot Topic sound off, so just kind of a a prelude to that. Uh, NASCAR did issue a very stern communication to teams to clean up their restarts, and that's a result of a crash uh, that started on lap 71 on a restart. uh, And some of the uh, playoff drivers uh, kind of were the recipients of uh, bad news with that restart. So NASCAR has issued a warning to all these drivers to clean up their their act as far as gamesmanship on the restarts. And we'll talk about that in a hot Yeah, I saw this and I heard a little bit of Elton Sawyer's interview on it. Uh, I know... uh, on Saturday, that one I was listening to on the radio, so I didn't see it visually. Uh, Mike and I think uh, Sharon, you were in, in there as well, along with Andy, talking about it in the group chat. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as what was kind of being portrayed. It was not a pretty sight. It never is when we have this. We had it back at, I think Mike said, Auto Club uh, Speedway. Um, some interesting things. I definitely want to talk about that one when it comes to Hot Top. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people are wanting to talk about that particular one. Uh, but there's some other notes here, too. Uh, over at J-Skis, they've got a nice article about how Pocono Raceway has always been unique to NASCAR because it is that triangle. Uh, a lot of people call it the tricky triangle. So if you want to check that out, that's over at uh, uh, J-Skis. Uh, and then also Brian Flynn was named the executive vice president and general manager at Sonoma Raceway. Uh, but this next one is another one that we'll probably talk about on Hot Topics today. Shane Van Gisbergen is making a return to NASCAR. Well, I know that one had come up of himself as well as another driver, and I don't remember which one Mike had posted the uh, the original one up of whether or not we'd see that, but... Um... Certainly going to be interesting to talk about. I'm excited to see it. With looking at J-Ski, there's one there at the top that I hadn't seen yet of Justin Haley to join Rick Ware Racing. we got to put that up on our chart. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, note there as well. 
there's only limited tickets that still remain for Sunday's race, the highpoint.com 400 at Pocono. Uh, so if you'd like to get a ticket, there's still some 200-level uh, grandstand seats uh, available for as low as $80. Uh, so check that out. And then also... Uh, Ryan Priest expects a contract renewal with Stuart Hawes Racing. Uh, that's also over at uh, uh, Skis, and there's a lot to talk about uh, with that as well. So uh, I hope you're getting that topic, uh, Justin Haley, up on the uh, uh, Teams app, Jay. Yeah, I am. Um, and that's what the one that, that, that caught my attention was Ryan Priest. And it, we kind of expected that. There wasn't any kind of guarantee with it. But this was his first year, so kind of expected that with Stuart Haas Racing. They're kind of a, in a situation right now of possibly needing an additional driver anyhow, depending on Eric Almarola. So Ryan Priest coming back doesn't surprise me. Um, and then I said that led to Justin Haley, which opens that door for an open seat then with college racing. And that one could be a really hot topic. Yes, indeed. Uh, so we want to make sure that those both get on our hot topic, uh, discussion board. Uh, now I want to make a, a, an announcement here too, as we bridge from our preview review show over to our NASCAR hot topic sound off. Uh, as you know, we're doing podcasts now on Thursday, and uh, uh, sometimes uh, it makes it hard for some of the drivers to be, or drivers, some of the uh, fan racing crew to be available for our Hot Topics discussion. But I talked to Brian Eberly, uh this morning, and he's agreed that he can work it out to be a regular for our Hot Topic Sound Off segment on Thursday. So, uh when Andy or Mike can make it, that's great. Uh, but uh, we'll have Brian here on a regular basis, so I'm super excited uh, to make that announcement. He's not here yet, but I expect him any moment now. And that's great. I said I chatted with him. I know when he came on with the uh, Chicago Street Race um, a little bit to talk about that when he did the live pod or a live blog. From there, he was on for a few minutes, really enjoyed it. And so to see him to be able to come back, I think he was on one of our other shows uh, here recently, to to hear that he's going to be able to on a regular basis is exciting. Yes, it is. Uh, Super excited. Uh, I'm going to just double-check my messages here to make sure I don't have a message from him. And I do have a message. I don't know if it's him or somebody else. Let me just check here. Okay, uh, he's got a question about that for me. Uh... Well, while you're checking with him there, Sharon, okay. I'll just run a, do a kind of a rundown here of some other stories um, that we had listed. Uh, Brian... uh, Martin Truex followed. Let me go ahead oh, and go ahead. Uh, bring Brian into the queue. Brian, we made the announcement here uh, that you're going to be a regular on our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion on Thursday, so we're really excited with that news. Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, this new uh, noon recording time frame actually works out perfect because it's lunchtime no matter what client I'm on, so I can always uh, step away for a little bit and, and join. So that's uh, that's pretty fantastic today. I'm actually working remote from my place, so sitting out here by our little, like, 
nature preserve. Pretty fantastic view. I apologize. There's a little bit of wind in the background, but uh, not a not a bad way to spend a Thursday. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're super excited. I know you're not on the Teams app yet, so we'll have to work on making sure that we get you on the Teams app so that you can see the list of hot topics that we post over there um, so that uh, it kind of helps you be prepared for those topics. Jay, you were just going to go down a list of those, so why don't you go ahead and do that uh, in preparation here. All right. Well, I just put up Justin Haley signing with Rick Ware Racing for 24 and Beyond, a multi-year deal. We got Shane Van Gisbergen to make a return at Indy for uh, Project 91, as well as the other one was the possibility of the supercar uh, rush, if you will. We saw the tw- in the 2000, we had the open wheel invasion. And then Martin Truex on whether or not he's going to retire. There was some discussion on that. The... Sharon, you mentioned it, the NASCAR issuing a stern communication to clean up restarts. And then Mike had an, or Sharon actually had it, uh, the sponsorship still tough to find and what NASCAR as a whole as well as teams need to do to secure their spot and maintain the sport. Okay. So, uh, Jay, I'm going to have you go ahead and start with our first topic, and then uh, we'll go to Brian for his commentary. All right, well, with that, of uh, Brian, I'm sure, watched the race, but I know that everybody else was kind of involved in the discussion from Saturday's Xfinity uh, race that John Hunter Nemechek and Chandler Smith, I believe, were the two on the front row. Whether or not there was the leaders doing the, the playing games, as you said, of laying back and, and doing a slow start, versus the driver's mid-pack back. But NASCAR said as a whole they want to see it cleaned up and, and issued a statement on it. Brian, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, it seems a little bit interesting. I guess maybe time to crack down a little bit uh, personally. I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's it's always kind of a gray area in NASCAR, right? I feel like with F1 it's very, very strict, which is almost like two one end of the spectrum, and I feel like NASCAR is too far on the other end, so I'm hoping it maybe – Put them to blend in a little bit more in the middle. Obviously, it's very tough to officiate some of that stuff, honestly. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's a tough call. I do not envy the officials at all. I think they get a lot of flack. And no matter what they do, it doesn't seem like it's the right the right choice. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a slippery slope is what I like to say on some of these things. We really don't want NASCAR to be too heavily involved uh, with moderating the sport. Uh, the ideal situation is for the drivers to moderate themselves, uh, but you really can't trust the drivers to do that, unfortunately. So um, I, I really hate to see NASCAR getting involved with that. I think that's why they issued it as a very stern warning to the drivers. Uh, it, it comes down to respecting their peers uh, and racing, I guess, more cleanly, if you will, uh, for lack of a better word there, um, I, I think that overall what we want to see in a NASCAR champion is somebody who races very cleanly with their competitors, showing them respect. That's the bottom line. And NASCAR has issued the warning uh, to the drivers, and now it's up to them to see if they will uh, abide by that. Uh, I think Tony Stewart or some of the old veterans – have always said, 
you can't trust NASCAR drivers to govern themselves. That's why we have a governing body, uh, because they're so competitive, and it's just part of their nature, uh, that it's really tough for them to do that. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I got a bunch of them on this. And like I said, I was saying, uh, I was listening on the radio, so I did not have visual on it at the time the discussion was going on. However, the rule is the leader is the one that has to start the race. And in this case, it was, I believe it was Chandler Smith, I'm not 100%, John Hunter Nemechek on the inside. The blame seemed to be wanted to point at John Hunter Nemechek. When I got home and watched the race, and they showed a couple of uh, in-car replays, Chandler was the first one to fire and spun the tires a little bit. And that's why it looked like maybe John Hunter had laid back and then jumped. However, when the analysts broke it down and when NASCAR issued their statement, it was about the teams that were second, third, and fourth row back being the ones to lay back, knowing that they have to wait until the leader fires, but then they have the gap where they can actually fire and not pass so they're already up to a little bit higher speed. And the rule itself um, is interesting. If you run around dirt tracks or other tracks that do what they call a Dixie double file, they want to give the leader the advantage. At a dirt track on a Dixie double file, the leader starts out front by himself, and then it's the second and third place that line up side by side, by side behind them. That's giving that leader the advantage. In NASCAR, it used to be that the uh, lap-down cars were to the inside. When they went to the double-file restarts and put second place alongside the leader, they still wanted the leader to have the advantage, and that's why they're the one in control of the race in the restart zone. And I know this got tested and went away. I believe it was Steve Letard who said he liked the idea of the bigger restart zone because then the leader had that bigger window um, where – Drivers couldn't anticipate as much because it was a bigger zone, so the drivers in the second and third row couldn't anticipate as likely as to when they were going to fire. So I'm not sure why that didn't work out. I thought that was a good call, too, of extending the restart zone for that reason. Uh, it gives a bigger window where the leader is, can fire, meaning you can't anticipate it. Okay, Mike Rizal had some uh, commentary on this, so I'm going to represent him here before we go to Brian. Uh, Mike said, I feel like this is either going to do nothing or open a Pandora's box we really don't want to open. I have a feeling I already know <laughs> Jay Hughes' mistake on this. Uh, and then you said you were watching the race and everything, but uh, it's a, Mike goes on to say it's the same issue that the Cub guys had at Fontana. The Cub guys? What does he mean by that? That Guys, was one of the races where, yeah, that was one of the races where it, they had that, well, they had a bigger restart zone listed or uh, set. And again, it was the second and third rows back that actually caused the problems, in my opinion. Okay, I'm, I just am not familiar with the Cub Guys term. Uh, guys who aren't in control of the race, i.e., not the leader, getting caught playing games. John Hunter Nemechek slowed a bit before the zone, but was stable uh, pace car speed from entering the zone until firing. I'm inclined to let guys wrecking themselves uh, be their own penalty for botching the restart timing. Trying to officiate this inserts way too many judgment calls. So that's Mike's take on this. 
Uh, Brian, what's your follow-up? I mean, I kind of second Mike's thoughts there, honestly. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, Sharon. I, I don't want to see too much officiating. I'd hate to see a late race restart. And we see the winner cross the finish line, and then there's a late, late race penalty, and that's not the winner. I, I don't. I don't really want to get in that situation either. I think. I think the kind of communication from NASCAR to like, hey guys, clean it up. Hopefully, will help. But I mean, come on. When you're in the last couple laps of a race and you got the chance to take home the trophy and the, the check and the checkered flag, like you don't really get. You don't really get. You don't really care, honestly. So. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough call. I don't envy NASCAR officials, executives, and the ones that have to make those choices. But I really don't want to see, you know, Ross Chastain cross the finish line first and then it, it go, the victory goes to, you know, somebody else because he jumped the restart or, you know, didn't have the right restart. So it's it's a very, I think, thin line. They're walking. and But I, I agree, like, all right, it's been a little bit ridiculous lately. Let's try to draw it back in. But I also don't think you'll see a penalty on some sort of overtime restart at Pocono or, you know, any race in the near future personally. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely uh, a slippery slope here. Uh, you do have to rely on the drivers to a certain extent. I kind of like the idea of what you called, what was it, the Dixie restart or something? Jay? Dep- yeah, a lot of places it's known as the Dixie double file, um, Delaware double file, I've heard. Again, it's essentially the leader gets to be out front in a row by themselves. Mm-hmm. That could be a solution. Uh, you kind of hate to do that for a, a premier uh, series like the NASCAR Cup Series or Xfinity Series or any series for that matter. Um, but it could be the solution to what's happening on some of these restarts, putting the leader out front and then the double file starts with second and third uh, lining up. So I, I don't know. I think that could be a possible solution, uh, but let's see if the stern warning does anything from NASCAR for this weekend out at Pocono. Any additional thoughts there? Well, it does help establish who the leader is and when they fire, but it's like Brian was saying there, how important these restarts are, the intensity of it, especially if it's a late race, We've seen, especially, I mean, what better place to get good three, four, five spots is on that restart if you can anticipate. However, it's not like any other sport, whether it be football, you have offside. You try and anticipate the snap count. Baseball, you try and attempt to or time the pitch if you're going to steal a base. If you get caught, you get penalized. And NASCAR did go back and review it. I know the one thing now, I mean, I hate to say it of, the judgment call is going to become less and less because they can go back and look at the telemetry um, and Mike could have the other uh, technical things with it here of the data when it comes to whether or not a car let up because brake checking not allowed. If you slow down and then speed up, that's clearly a violation and they can see all that now. So that's where, and I think normally it starts, like I said, of the second or third row those guys that aren't the ones controlling the race want to try and time it and they're getting a little ahead or they're laying back and then trying to get that run. So when the leader does fire, it looks like they're going at the same time, but they're already five to 10 miles an hour faster. So I think the warning will work, you know, and NASCAR can say, Hey, we can see what you're doing. We have the data. Don't put us in that box where like Brian said, hopefully it would be pointed out before the finish of the race 
like I said, I know in the Xfinity series, they immediately said they're looking at it and they'll make that call. That car may be out front, but they're going to get word that they're being penalized and need to come off the track um, before the actual race is over. But the fans would immediately know because they would announce it, hey, that team is not out there being scored where they're at. Yeah, I think you're right, Jay. There's a lot of telemetry out there that um, and and de- digital data that they can look at. Um, hopefully, they will respond to the stern warning, and we won't see penalties. But if needed, I'm not, I'm not opposed to having penalties issued uh, if the drivers continue to play the games. And NASCAR sees that uh, in black and white via the the digital data that they have. Okay, Brian, what hot topic would you like to discuss? Well, just to kind of wrap that one up there, I think he makes a fantastic point with the data. Like, numbers don't lie. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a numbers nerd. I'm a CPA. I love the numbers. I love the data. So I love going to Orange Series Fitness, all the data that comes out of that. So you're right. They kind of had that to support it, and they can kind of, you know, if they, if they post that publicly, there you go. It, it, it kind of calls you out. So maybe I am a little bit more okay with it than I was originally. It's maybe not quite as much of adjustment cause as I kind of was thinking originally. Yeah, I agree. I I was thinking the same thing. Okay, Brian, what hot topic would you like for us to go to next? I think what I want to talk about is it's kind of what Pocono has done lately, right? They used to have the two race weekends. I feel like they've kind of come become monotonous. The tenants have gone way down, right? And today they've announced already that they basically sold out most of the grandstands. Now they've got the one weekend. Absolutely love when they run a truck Xfinity doubleheader on Saturdays. I think it's it's great when you're at the track. You get so much racing. It's awesome when we're here at home because we can watch. You know, two races on a Saturday, and then you got the cup race on Sunday. So I really like what Pocono did. I'm curious to see if you guys kind of like that. I know some people that go to the track and camp are like, oh, we want more on-track activity. But to me, that's great. It's still, still roll in there on Wednesday, set up your camping, hang out, have your campfires, hang out with race fans Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, it's all your racing, and you pack up and go home. So I think it's great what they've done. I think it's just, you know, more, more – um, momentum behind having just one race at a lot of these tracks. I think you go to the two races weekends, it's, you know, it's kind of diminished. I think, you know, the one race or even some rotation, you know, when we talk about, you know, the NASCAR Chicago street race, I would love to see him go there for three years, run out that contract, go somewhere else for three years and then come back, you know, not having that for a few years, I think really makes you want to go when it is here. It makes it a special event where you run there once or twice a year. It just kind of comes a little bit more monotonous. Okay. Jay, your thoughts. Well, I know this tied into a discussion we had the other night about whether or not these uh, all the tracks should go down to one race so that we can go to new venues. And that is one of the good things about it. Um, I know Andy talked about it at New Hampshire. When you only have the one cup race per year, definitely makes it more valuable. When you're talking specifically about Pocono, and I know that's a little bit bigger track, um, I still feel it's good racing. I know some fans feel that one gets kind of drug out. I liked what they did a couple of years ago of having the two races, two cup races, uh, one on Saturday, you invert the field from that, and then run again on Sunday and ran a little bit shorter races, kind of a, not heat races, but at least shorter dash races, and then inverting the field for Sunday's race. Um, I thought that worked really well. But I think what Brian incorporated there is at least have multiple. Uh, you know, Sharon, you and I have been to uh, Chicagoland where they had four races, the ARCA and the three top series. Iowa Speedway a lot of times does multiple events in the same weekend. I think that is important because, like you said, then you have the ones that come in for the weekend. 
Some are still going to come in for one or, or the cup race only or just the races, but you have that opportunity for those that are camping there and spending the entire weekend. So um, I think this with the Pocono now being only one race uh, for the cup series, having the ARCA, the trucks and the Xfinity, an entire race weekend, you get to see the variety from the ARCA, X trucks, Xfinity and cup um, and the difference in drivers, I think works really well. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a bigger bang for the buck. Um, race fans can plan for that one big weekend, and and it's really good. I do like the idea of the doubleheader. I don't know if the drivers liked it as much as maybe some of the fans liked it. Uh, but, yeah, that's a big bang for your buck, too. Uh, so especially if there is just one weekend. And the fact that they've sold out this weekend with the one race, I think it is proof in the pudding, if you will, uh, that it's a better way to go. You can oversaturate a market, and when you do that, uh, attendance suffers. So the fact that they've sold out, uh, they've got four great races uh, that are taking place over the weekend, uh, so it's a big weekend for the Arkham Menard Series, uh, and all three of the NASCAR's top series being there. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I love that uh, setup. Uh, but if they were to go to the doubleheader uh, like they did a few years ago with the Cup Series racing on Saturday and Sunday, I would enjoy that as well. Uh, but I think that's up to the drivers, and I don't think they liked it as well as we did. Brian, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's true. I almost had forgotten about the, the Cup doubleheader weekends that they had going there. That was actually kind of unique as well, and I think different. And I think you know, again, you don't want to see that at 10 tracks a year, but doing that at two or three tracks a year, I think, makes it unique and makes you more interested to watch, right, especially with the invert on Sunday. Great, you've got the guy that won on Saturday. He's going to start 20th on Sunday. You know, what's he going to do? So I think, you know, having that variety, I think, is huge for anything these days, whether it's motorsports, whether it's baseball, whether it's concerts, just anything, having variety and something different and something unique, I think is awesome. And I do applaud NASCAR for looking at different ways to do that. I mean, I think all of us probably thought the Chicago Street Course was an awful idea in, in, in theory, um, and, and it worked out better than we all thought. So I, I, I do get a little concerned when they're like, oh, yeah, let's go to, like, we're going to go to Europe, and we're going to go here, and we're going to go there. And it's like, okay, let's not go overboard with it personally, but, you know, let's let's think about it rationally, like, I'd love to see a race up in Canada or somewhere unique or different personally, but let's not go, you know, crazy with street courses or anything like that. Let's try to keep that, that balance and that uniqueness to the schedule, I think is what kind of makes it perfect. I think they've kind of gotten there a little bit now with the amount of road courses they have, the street course, you know, obviously Daytona Talladega are always probably going to stay at, at two races, but, you know, let's try to mix it up a little bit where we can, but also like it is tough because they can only race so many weekends a year, so I do kind of like the doubleheader option when you kind of have that, and maybe a little bit more off weekends for these team men and women that are, you know, obviously going through an insane schedule right now with like no off weeks between now and the end of the year. Exactly, they, you know, it's one of the longest uh, schedules of the year. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Jay, what are your follow-up thoughts? Well, whatever the, the track decides to do, and I, I really like the the two races, shorter races on Saturday and Sunday, uh, you know, whether the drivers didn't like it, the equipment, they just didn't have the capability to. NASCAR tried it, said they wanted to do something different. Now they're doing the Xfinity trucks doubleheader with the ARCA race and then the cup on Sunday. If that's what fits best, uh, uh, I'm all for it. 
Um, you know, and they, they'll have the numbers for that. You know, somebody else like Brian or whoever's crunching the numbers on that to make that decision. But I like what he said there of at least they're there with something unique to their track, whether it be a street course race, the two races in the same weekend, however you're doing it, something unique, especially if you only have one event, um, something unique to it that really draws you in for that. So I think that's the key element there. And like he said then, okay, if it worked there, and I, you know, we go back as far as doing nighttime races, moving to road courses, don't go overboard with it then. Uh, you know, the dirt race, have one for each series, but keep it at that. You know, don't try and overdo it. Uh, I think that's the biggest key is don't try and too much of a good thing, it becomes a bad thing. Yeah, let me just say, I think Ben Kennedy has been really good for NASCAR, and I know he's working with a lot of people uh, to make some of these things happen, but I think he's the visionary uh, that is shaking up the NASCAR schedule and uh, coming up with some of these creative ideas, and uh, I think he's doing a really great job of doing that. Uh, it's up to the others to make it happen, but I do see Ben Kennedy as the visionary for a lot of this uh, and and let's face it, NASCAR was in a little bit of a rut, uh, and that new blood coming in uh, via Ben Kennedy, I think, was a very positive thing. Um, you know, since he's been in his position, we've had, uh, you know, the, the short track at the Coliseum. <laughs> we, we've had the... Uh, uh, street course race at uh, Chicago. Uh, I don't know if he had anything to do with that doubleheader at Pocono, uh, but there's also the dirt race at Bristol that a lot of us thought, uh, what are you thinking? But in, in, when it all plays out, it all has been working and working really well. He's really uh, shaken up the, the NASCAR schedule, which fans were crying for, and uh, they, they made it happen. So I think the next step is to continue the unique value of each and every track on the schedule, uh, and part of doing that is limiting uh, one race per track. Um, and if it's a doubleheader, I think I'm okay with that if it makes it a unique thing for that particular track. But, yeah, I think I think we should race one track. Uh, I think it creates greater value, as Brian said in the beginning, uh, for fans to need to be there for that race. And I think it will lead to sold-out venues uh, by limiting uh, those races to just one race. Um, so, uh, again, I just applaud NASCAR. I applaud uh, Ben Kennedy uh, for his vision and uh, uniqueness and, and making things happen that we didn't think were possible. Uh, they're making those things happen. So he's bringing in the right people to make those things happen, and, and I think it's great. Brian. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with everything that you said. I think, you know, the, the variety we've seen over the last several years to go into the road courses, the street courses, you know, just looking at different things, ways to shake up the schedule, way to make it different. I think, you know, it's obviously a, a slow process. I think everyone wants it to be quicker than it is, but it's also a lot of risk, right? When you when you change anything, it's a lot to go that goes into that. 
and I do applaud them for, you know, taking those risks, taking those efforts. It's great to see it pay off. Unfortunately, the, the weather hasn't been great for them lately. Hopefully, I haven't looked at the forecast for Pocono, but hopefully they can get all those races in on time because you got to imagine everyone in the industry is pretty exhausted from, from rain at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Rain has been an issue not just for NASCAR but for a lot of racing this year. We've seen a lot of short track racing get postponed or canceled as well. Okay, Jay. It's your turn for our next topic. Well, I was going to say, you don't want to go to me when it comes to getting rained out when it comes to short track or dirt track racing, so we'll skip over that one. Um, Let's talk about Shane Van Gisberg uh, coming back for the Indy Road Course. I know he said he'd kind of like to even look at doing a full-time schedule, but for right now, we are going to see him back at the Indy Road Course after winning in his initial start at the Chicago Street Race. Okay, I'm going to – I guess I don't have to do the announcement, so forget that. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts about Shane Vanisbergen racing at the Indy Road Course this year? Brian. What did I say, Brian? Did I say Brian? No, you said Mike. Oh, dear Lord. Mike, that's the one that posted it. The other Mike will say Brian. Sorry, what was that? Uh, I was asking about your thoughts about Shane Van Gisbergen making a return to NASCAR in the Project 91 uh, Chevrolet at uh, at, uh, the Indy course. I think uh, that's awesome. I'm glad he gets a second shot. I think probably expectations of him winning again might be a little bit high, but again, I think no one thought he was going to win at Chicago. So I'm glad he gets a second shot. I think, you know, it's kind of brought in a little bit more interest from supercars. I know from my standpoint, I'm kind of interested in one watching some supercars races as well. So I think it just kind of, you know, continues to bring all the motorsports together. I think that's awesome. When you look at the diversity of the field that we're going to have at Indy with, you know, some of the other guys coming in and running, um, you know, Button and, and some of the others, I think is really awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to kind of tie this in with uh, another topic that Mike posted. In the 2000s, we had an open-wheel invasion. Is this the beginning of the supercar land rush? And he uh, posted a feature uh, from uh, that details that Kostecki details the dream of a NASCAR gig. Uh, and that also Justin Marks uh, posted a tweet uh, saying that SVG returning to Indy is awesome for Trackhouse, but as a racer and passionate race fan, seeing him with Kostecki, Kobayashi, and Button in the NASCAR Cup race at Indy is the stuff of dreams. I friggin' love this sport, and being a fan of it during these times, pinch me. It's a W for the global industry, NASCAR Cup drivers, it's best I've ever seen. We're so lucky to see them race against some of the best from other disciplines. This is only the start. Auto racing has an amazing future, and I'm here for it. So um, that kind of ties in with SVG coming back for the Indy Road Course, and I wanted to bring that up as well. Is this a supercar uh, rush that's going on in NASCAR because we seem to be getting uh, in addition to F1 and some of the other disciplines, uh, several drivers from uh, the supercars. Uh, but I think it's great to see SVG back. You're right, um, my, uh, 
Brian. Uh, I think that um, uh, we've got to be careful about setting too high of an expectation. I think he'll be really good. Uh, he's in good equipment, uh, but uh, we have to be realistic that the uh, road course at uh, at uh, Indianapolis is a little bit different than some of the other road courses. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised either if he were to make it another win. So we'll have to see what happens, but I'm excited for it. I kind of feel like Justin Marks, uh, just super happy that we're seeing this happen right before our very eyes. Uh, it's really fun to watch. Jay? Yeah, Justin Marks, Project 91 for track hall racing more than outdid itself. That was the intent of this program of four or five races throughout the year to bring in some different drivers from uh, different series and countries, whatever it be, and get exposure. And they blew it out of the water there with Van Ginsburg coming in and winning the Chicago street race. I don't know that we'll see a rush of it because we've already kind of seen it trickle when it comes to Jordan Taylor, Jansen Button. The problem is, is having that availability. Jordan Taylor got his shot because uh, number nine, Napa Chevrolet, needed a driver to fill in for uh, Chase Elliott. So it worked. This Project 91 car was designed specifically for that. The other spots where drivers would have that capability, I know Mike, I can hear him in my head. I hear Mike in my head all the time. But uh, the only opportunity if you're coming in like that is to bring money and it's generally going to be in a back marker less funded team so your equipment isn't necessarily as up to par um but i think the opportunity is there you know it's been a while since we've we've talked about a road course ringer coming in and generally they didn't win and there too the opportunities used to be more so because teams would allow the road course ringers to come in on one of the two road courses because they didn't mean as much throughout a full 36 race season. That's not the case anymore. The cup drivers can't afford to throw away races or not be in the seat. Uh, you know, they need those points. They need those stage points. They need those wins and have become better road racers themselves. So that just ups the level of the game, but it narrows that spot for a road course uh, veteran to come in like that, like we saw in the past. Absolutely. Brian, what are your follow-up thoughts? Oh, sorry, I kind of cut out there. What was your question? I just asked about your follow-up thoughts about uh, the supercar land rush and Shane Van Gisbergen uh, racing at Indy on the road course. Yeah, I think I think it's awesome. I, I think you're going to see so many supercar people like interested in watch that race and maybe it won't move the needle in rage, but I think you're getting more interest in that, more interest in NASCAR, and on the flip side, more people in NASCAR getting interested in supercars, I think is always good, you know, with the rising rising tides, or I forget the exact analogy there, but, you know, everyone in motorsports is kind of getting into all motorsports together as opposed to sometimes the competitiveness we see sometimes, oh, NASCAR is better, F1 is better, you know. My personal stance has always been I love anything that races, and I'll go to anything from a local short track race to an F1 race to an IndyCar race to a NASCAR race, so. I think it's great, and, you know, I think Shane was awesome in his win. You know, obviously, Justin Marks and what Trackhouse has done in just such a short period of time is awesome, and I think that really encourages, you know, some new fresh ownership as we see, you know, guys like Hendrick and Penske, you know, kind of eventually aging aging out of the ownership realm. I think just some of this new ownership we have coming in is, is really great for the future of the sport as well. 
Yeah, totally agree with you, uh, Brian. Um, I, I do think that the cross-pollination, if you will, is a win-win for everybody. Uh, you know, you've got supercar uh, fans that are tuning in to NASCAR races to see their supercar star uh, race. You've got uh, NASCAR drivers. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised if we don't see some NASCAR drivers racing in supercars sometime very soon. Uh, but that cross-pollination is really, really good for both sports. And uh, I think it does open the door for everybody. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen was an instant star when he won that race uh, for Trackhouse uh, Project 91 at Chicago Street Course and or Street Race. And I think uh, fans are going to look forward to seeing him come back and race at the uh, uh, Indy Road Course. So I, I think. You know, and it, and I'm talking about fans that maybe did not watch racing before. Um, they talked about Chicago opening that door for new race fans. Uh, and I think a lot of those new race fans from the Chicago Street Race are going to recognize that name and are going to want to watch him race again at, at Indy. So it, it's a win-win situation no matter which direction you look at it from. And, uh, again, it's just brilliance. Uh, I, yeah, it's no secret that I think Justin Marks is another one of the uh, superstars when it comes to what's happening in NASCAR and the rejuvenation of NASCAR. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people feel the same way about him. So Project 91 is serving the purpose and doing wonderful things. I think for NASCAR as a sport, and also for supercars uh, as a sport, because a lot more NASCAR fans are coming into what's happening in supercar to familiarize themselves with these drivers. But what I like best is that we've got some uh, drivers in NASCAR that are nose to nose with these guys, <laughs> racing side by side uh, at the end of these races. So uh, I think it's it's a lot of fun to watch happening. Okay, you get the final word here. Well, can't say much more than what's been said. Uh, you know, the excitement of it is certainly high, and you said the positive results of it across the board, uh, the spectrum of auto racing, period, uh, bringing motorsports up um, both ways um, is just huge. And you mentioned tying, the, in this case, Justin Marks into being that visionary of developing this Project 91 car for that purpose. And I say, I, I think really blew it out of the water there with the Chicago street race. I know Justin Marks is another one that's been in favor of, again, level-headed saying, you know, don't go more than two, but doing that and just as a change in putting up, you know, NASCAR drivers have to be diverse in all the different tracks they run. Um, and spreading that out, and you can reach markets that you can't, there isn't a track there. You don't have to wait for the track to be built or worry about the money and the politics of that. Uh, not that there isn't politics involved in the, doing a street race, as we know, but um, it's easier to do than wait for a stadium or a track to be built and then utilized. So um, I think these are all good things, and we'll see where it goes here coming down the road. Uh, Ben Gisberg is one I say maybe come over and do full-time like Marcus Ambrose did. We'll have to wait and see. I know he's expressed interest in it. 
Uh, I don't know that we'll see a lot of them other than that that do it full-time, but mixing them in on some of these road courses, the Indy road course, again, who doesn't want to run at Indy? I'd, I'd drive at Indy if I could, so who doesn't want to run there? Okay, Brian, would you run Indy? <laughs> Okay, I hope we didn't lose Brian. Let me look here. Nope, he's still here. Uh, Brian, oh, no, you might sorry. be on. My phone's been cutting out. Yeah, no, oh, it's been cutting out. I apologize. Okay. You can Brian, cut you that out. Bring you can up cut up that out when you post the recording. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Joe said he wouldn't mind running the Indy Road Course. How about you? I mean, uh, I would probably crash the car on like turn one of lap one, but you know, I. I imagine what it'd be like to run around the NAS, uh Chicago Street Course. I wish I had a chance to do a pace car ride. Oh, yeah. for I get it, but I have. I did get a chance to do the any any pace car ride last year, and that was uh that was pretty awesome. It's just insane, like how quickly they go around there and how quickly they fly into those turns, even in a pace car. And you know, you're obviously much slower than than an actual stock car out there. So it is uh, it is pretty nuts and a great feeling. It is. Okay, time to move on to our next hot topic. What do you got on your mind, Brian? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think for me, I'm already thinking ahead to next weekend because there's a couple big things going on here in the Midwest. We've got the Prairie Dirt Classic with the World, uh, World of Outlaws Late Models at Fairbury. Uh, that's always a big a big race there in Fairbury, Illinois, about an hour or so south of Chicagoland. And then, obviously, we've got Xfinity up at Road America, so I'm actually hopefully going to be there next weekend. It's not too far from where I live now, so I'm pretty excited about that. I really wish they still had a cup date. I think they deserve a cup date, but as I believe it was a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article, or I think something Dave Coleman wrote this week that, you know, they could race any come out, and that's not a lie. I think it'll be still great attendance and hopefully a beautiful weekend next week, and hopefully we avoid that rain, and we can have a great, uh, a great weekend at Road America for the Xfinity Series, and I really do hope they get a cup date back there at some point because they deserve it. I do feel like Cup Road America on 4th of July weekend was, was really perfect, and I wish it got more than two years, uh, two years on the schedule. Yeah, let's talk about that then, Road America – the Xfinity is still going to race there, but uh, a lot of fans are disappointed that the Cup isn't racing there. Of course, you got to eliminate something else in order to bring that in. But um, uh, let me first of all say, Brian, you asked me about uh, the, covering the Xfinity Series race, uh, and I think that would be great. I don't know if you want to do another uh, live blog uh, of that or just the recaps or, or in what way you were thinking of, but uh, I think it would be great to have you uh, represent FAMPA Racing at uh, Road America this weekend and uh, make sure that uh, fans can see the coverage from there. <clears throat> but, Jay, uh, let's go to you and get your thoughts about uh, Cup Series racing at Road America. Well, you you hit on it of you know, and we've talked about it with other things. If you do Chicago Street Course, do three years, take it somewhere else. Uh, the Coliseum, the Bristol Dirt Race, get it for a couple years, move on, maybe come back to it. I'm with you. I and I don't remember what year it was. Happened to be going through Wisconsin uh, Friday night into Saturday, listening to Sirius XM replay of the day, and they said I extended here at Road America. I mean, I pulled up my, my Google map, and I redirected myself, went a little further north out of the way. Best decision I've ever made. A great facility, 
that is a road course. I think my son and I walked around it maybe three times, watched the race from different aspects um, throughout it, did some go-kart racing in the infield uh, during part of it. Just a great facility. I was thrilled when they wrapped the Cup Series there. I was disappointed when they took it away. But it also produced this street, Chicago street course. So where, where do you fall? I will say this. Uh, the interview I saw with Sharon, I need your help, the president, Steve Phelps. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Road America is still on the list of, again, it's not off the schedule. It's just not on it for this year. They're still looking at it. Uh, that comes into that balancing act of there's only so many dates, so many tracks, how they're going to break this up. Uh, but that adds into the how many road course races. Do we want that many road course races? That's the tough play of finding that balance. So I think that might be one that gets rotated every few years, which uh, we have to accept. We've said we wanted that of seeing tracks, different tracks in different venues that may become the norm of you get a race every, say, three to four years or whatever it be. And I think we could live with that. Uh, hopefully it's been out now, what, two years? Or did it, was last, this must, might, might have been the first year, being this was the first year of the Chicago street course. But I think they did have a huge success there, moved on when they bring it back. Obviously then I think it'll pack up again. So uh, that might be their vision of that of, not just we, we mentioned it. You only have one race per year. You have to make it. Well, if it's only every other three years or so, you definitely got to make it. So I think it does work from that from that aspect. Yeah, I would agree. I, I also agree with what Brian was saying too about uh, the local short track racing too. Sometimes it might be a driver, uh, a couple of hours drive or whatever, but it's still. Uh, really good for fans to go out and support the local short tracks as well uh, because a lot of the stars move up through the short tracks uh, and eventually become stars of NASCAR as well. Uh, but uh, going back to the Road America, uh, I agree. It's a great facility. I haven't been there. I've heard a lot about it. I want to go uh, sometime soon uh, to an exp- uh, a race at Road America. Uh, but um, <clears throat> it's going to have to be on my schedule perhaps for next year, and hopefully it will be on the schedule next year. But um, uh, I, I do hope that you're right, Jay, that it's something that maybe it will be a rotation every two or three years. It will come back on the schedule, and we'll still be able to see. But you're also right that NASCAR is playing a balancing game, and what's too many road courses uh, and what's just the right number of road courses. Uh, so that's that's the challenge that NASCAR has in front of them. And as uh, Jace, uh, as uh, Brian said earlier, it, it's hard to be in NASCAR's shoes when they have to make some of these decisions. Uh, but I have come to trust NASCAR in making a lot of those decisions about the schedule, uh, especially here recently, and some of the things that they're doing to shake up the schedule. So... Uh, I hope you're right. I hope we see Road America back on the schedule at some point in the future. And uh, I guess it's a waiting game now to see what does happen. Brian, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to get up here, Sharon. I know you're not that far away. Free, free lodging. I live like 20 minutes away from Road America these days. So a uh, great place. I think the best way to describe it is they built a 
a racetrack inside of a state park. So it's a really awesome place. Even if you don't like motorsports that much, just to camp there, spend some time there is really awesome. Um, great place, great facility. They got it repaved this year as well. It's an even better racetrack than it was before. So I uh, love it, and I can't wait to be there next weekend. Okay. Jay, do you have a follow-up? Yeah, a couple of things. That was one where, uh, again, the rain kind of dampers things as far as being out in the rain, but it also provided some great racing. I believe it was Michael McDowell's win with RCR. You had Alex Tagliani in a Penske machine. We saw the wet weather tires versus dry tires and how that came into play at the end of it, kind of like we did at Chicago um, and some of these other tracks where we've seen that. So that was some great things there. And they also had, as a Midwest, uh, similar to the IMSA, it's called the Trans Am Series, um, that race there in conjunction with, at that time, it was just the Xfinity Series race. Uh, They really do provide, again, like Sharon, you like these, uh, the bang for your buck. You got to see, I think it was three different races, two different Trans Am Series, and then uh, the Xfinity Series race. So they put together a weekend, even with only having the Xfinity Series race, Um, which I think is what earned them the cup race. And I think with what they did with the cup race, that'll earn them back on the schedule down the road, uh, that they're not gone and forgotten. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't have much to add here. So, Brian, do you have anything to add? No, just a comment on the rain thing. It was pretty cool. I think it was 2013. My dad and I were there the the time it rained throughout the race, you know, and he kind of threw on a poncho. We had a golf cart we were driving around on. It was unique for sure, but I don't think he'd want that every race. But it was really cool to kind of see it. You know, never been in a race rain tires before. Never kind of experienced that. I got some really cool photos for sure. So I don't think it's that bad. I think it's like anything you make the best of it. You're prepared. We knew it was going to rain, so we were kind of ready for it. But, yeah, obviously you don't want to see it all the time, but it is kind of unique and different. I think, you know, fans do enjoy it because we don't get to see it all the time. Okay. Uh, Jay, you get to bring up, uh, I think, what will be our last hot topic here. Well, that's a tough one, then. Uh, being that it was this past weekend, Martin Truex uh, winning the race seemed like a lot of post-race questions and, and some of their answers kind of led to the possibility of Truex walking off after this year um, versus doing a full farewell tour if he comes back for next year. Brian, your thoughts about Martin Truex? Personally, you know, if I if he wins a championship, I think what a great way to retire. But also, I think, you know, I don't I don't know. I feel like you know, if you do a whole full retirement thing, kind of like Harvick does, I think it might get a little old if it were me, just going every track and them honoring you and be like, man, I, I made this my last year. I think it is kind of cool to kind of go out on top, if you will. Truex wins the title and, and done. Even if he, you know, if he doesn't win the title, I don't know. Maybe it makes it a little bit tougher, but. I, uh, I think it's a tough call. I do think kind of the whole season retirement tour might get a little bit old from a driver's perspective, but maybe not. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not in that situation. But for me, I think, like, the best way to go out would be winning the title and being like, you know, it's my last year. I'm done. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, obviously, he's still got it. He's still winning races and dominating. So it would be hard to also retire while you're still doing so well. Yeah, this has been a good year for Martin Truex Jr. He's had a kind of a rough year uh, personally uh, more recently. And uh, to see him have a resurgence this year and be in contention for that championship is is really good to see. Um, I'm going to also 
represent Mike here because he did have some comments on this as well. He said, he said after a slow couple of years, he could leave this year and feel like he went out on top, similar to what Brian said. Even though he doesn't end up winning the championship, uh, he, 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 and he's right about that, even if he didn't win the championship, he still has done well enough he could feel good about his 23 season. Uh, 23 has been a very successful season and perhaps a good one to end on. Lots of drivers stick around longer than they probably should, and their last few seasons end up tainting their legacy. Reference Jimmy Johnson, Darrell Waltrip, Richard Petty, etc. Um, he, he makes a good point there, but I don't think Martin Truex uh, is ready. I think he still feels he can be competitive, and I think that's what makes it hard uh, for drivers to make that retirement uh, that retirement decision. Uh, if they feel like if they're still competitive, they want to be out there racing. And you do, what you don't want to have happen is for them to retire and then have second thoughts about it, like maybe Eric, what happened to Eric Almarola a year or so ago uh, when we thought he was retiring. The next thing we know, he's not. He's coming back. Um, and <clears throat> I know that drivers... Uh, like Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, Jimmy Johnson, and some other drivers have have retired and come back to race someone off. Um, but I don't think Martin Truex Jr. is ready for that, to be honest. I think he wants to he he wants to be competitive. Uh, he's being competitive this year, and I think it makes the decision that much harder for him to make. Nobody wants to leave something on the table. Uh, if, if they feel like they could go out there and win perhaps another championship. Uh, so it, it's a tough decision, uh, but we'll see what Truex uh, decides to do. Uh, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here with my thoughts, uh, but I, I think everybody's making really good points. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, there, there are two things. And when you read Mike's, what I thought of with that, of it, you talk about leaving before you're ready and you kind of still have that itch. I think of Carl Edwards because we've seen his name come yes. up a lot recently. Exactly. Of You know, you knew you were still at the top of your game. And so you don't, but you also don't want to go that too far. Such as, And I don't know that Jimmy's, I know he didn't have the best years in his final years. Even right now we look at Kevin Harvick. Uh, He's not winning races. He's in contention. He finished fifth this past weekend um, in the playoffs uh, on points right now. But it's not his winning races and contending and being a championship contender necessarily. Some of that has to do with the Ford and the SHR. But, so you don't want to get in that box. Uh, I think back to a couple um, that he mentioned of Daryl Waltrip and Richard Petty. Those two I think definitely did. I mean, they were taken, I know, and I know it was my dad's favorite, and I like him, but Daryl Waltrip was taking the champion's provisional every week just to get into a race. Um, but when he got the opportunity to drive in the uh, DEI Steve Park car when he was injured, he showed he still had the talent with a good car. So that's what makes it that tough. The other thing I, I think Truex alluded to is he wants to know that he can give 110% because that's what he said his team is giving 110%. He wants to make sure he can be the driver to give 110% as well. Uh, and you mentioned that he's had some other things going on in his life as of recent. 
So I think that also comes into play. And he mentioned that, it, you know, from the outside looking in, it's not you just show up and race on Sunday. You know, it's a full commitment for the year um, all in. So I think that's where he what he's battling with. Brian. Yeah, that's a really tough call. You know, you you don't want to you don't want to go out while you're so in your prime and still able to win races, but at the same time, you don't want to turn into a situation where you have just a couple of miserable years, and that's how you remember the end of your career as well. I'm glad it's not a decision I have to make for myself. And you know, I, I think personally, you might see him stick around a couple of years. Obviously, he still has it. He dominated on on Sunday or Monday. And uh, what, why would you get why would you quit when when you're when you're still one of the top drivers in the series? Yeah, and I think there's some differences between Martin Drex Jr. and, say, Kevin Harvick, uh, or even Kyle Busch for that uh, perspective. Um, I think that Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch both have kids that are in racing, and, and they follow what's happening in their racing career, and they kind of project themselves on, on what's happening in their kids' racing careers. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. doesn't have that. Um, and, and I think that that's going to cause him to want to stay. And I think it's also going to cause him to be more competitive as he gets older. Uh, and he, he will be able to still win races, I think. Yeah, he went through a couple of rough years, uh, but look at how he's rebounded. I think he's rebounded well. Uh, and I think when he's ready, I think he will make the right decision to, to step back. I just worry about him stepping back too soon and getting what you call that itch uh, and, and feeling like he, he was still competitive and, and he ended before he was really ready. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's a tough decision, no doubt about it. Jay, what are your thoughts? First, uh, okay, there we go. Get it off mute first. Um, it's a little bit different than in other sports when, when you talk about somebody. Uh, football, you generally have a backup quarterback you've been grooming and is ready to step in. I know there are some Toyota drivers within the uh, pipeline, but with NASCAR, it's like that's a whole projection when it comes to sponsorships and um, schedules and everything. You can't just make that. I know Carl Edwards did, and it put Joe Gibbs Racing in kind of a jam with bringing Daniel Suarez up before they were necessarily ready to or had planned to. Um, so that's why it's a, we're only in September, or not, not even September, speaking of getting ahead of yourself, July, August. But that decision kind of needs to be made sooner rather than later. Um, or it can really put the entire team in a jam. And I think that, too, is what Truex is talking about of, he doesn't want to do that to the team either of leave them hanging until the very end or, you know, going into next season. Um, Cause there's a lot that goes into that of, of getting a driver ready to take that spot. So uh, there's a lot weighing on him and, you know, I understand the media and everybody wants to know, but also you got to give him that time to make that decision of what's best for him. Okay. Uh, we'll let that be the last word and uh, we'll go into our, our, tricky triangle of our own here starting with Brian and uh, what, are you up, what are you doing this weekend uh, we got a little bit of a preview of that uh, 
but uh, let's go ahead and give your uh, handles as well for social media. Yeah, that was more next weekend's preview with Road America and the Prairie Dirt Classic. Uh, this weekend, not not uh, not much motorsports related other than watching all of Pocono and, and the British Open and all the sports I can watch on a hopefully a beautiful weather weekend. But, uh, yeah, Twitter, Eberly 18 uh, Instagram, Epic Eb Life, and uh, definitely will be around several racetracks coming up in the next uh, few weekends, so looking forward to it. Yeah, there I go, getting ahead of myself again, Brian. <laughs> you got to watch me on that. You've you you still got plenty of time to book your trip and come up, Sharon. Plenty of time. Okay, okay, let me look into it. I think I have my granddaughter, though, next week. I think that's going to prevent me from doing that. Um, no better chance to get someone interested in racing, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, Jay, for your sign-up. Um, follow me on Facebook, Michael Huspin, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And you talked about making trips to different tracks uh, this weekend. I think I might make that long haul to Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the south, which takes me about five minutes, uh, about two miles from the house. And that is barring that pesky weather. Uh, like I said, I don't want to get into that, so we'll just sign off there. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to ward off all bad weather this weekend. We've had our share for the year. And, uh, yeah, so I hope you have, I hope both of you have a good uh, weekend. Uh, thank you for being here. I always appreciate the uh, Fan for Racing crew support. And uh, all of our listeners, we appreciate you tuning in to hear what we have to say. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. And um, I am Fanfa Racing site on Twitter, Fanfa Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including the website where we have our Fanfa Racing player, radio player, uh, and you can listen to our podcast. So, um, again, Thursdays are podcast days for us here at Fanfa Racing. Just a reminder for everybody, we'll be back to our live broadcast on Monday night. Uh, with Sal Segal. I'm hoping uh, that's going to happen. We've run into some obstacles here of late, uh, but uh, right now the plan is to be back on Monday uh, for our live broadcast, so uh, we hope you'll tune in for that starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time and uh, our hot topics at 10 p.m. Eastern. So, uh, everybody, I hope you have a good time. Uh, with the Pocono Race Weekend, four big races this weekend, and I'm going to enjoy every one of them. So uh, with that, I guess we're ready to sign off, guys. We'll call it a wrap. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It was a good time. See you next Enjoy week. the weekend. Good night, Later, everybody. Brian.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.